Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here with week 43 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it is me, the Lone Vault Wanderer, back from holiday. Sorry for the hiatus, guys. My, uh, my name's Noah. Um... <laughs> Most enthusiastic start to a podcast ever. Yeah, I have a... What what is it called again? Uh, uh, The the boat? I have an arc. I have an arc. All right. Cool. Let's move on. (laughs) So we have no plan for this fucking podcast. We we do not. There's only one announcement I would like to make, and that we are finally, after 40 plus weeks, going mobile. This podcast, are uh, we? Yeah, we're finally we? gonna, we're finally going to be on iTunes. I'm working at the kinks on that, and then from there we're going to go to SoundCloud for people who are on Android. So you will soon officially be able to listen to Ham Radio Time on the go, as everyone has requested, so that they don't destroy their data. I understand because <laughs> everyone has like YouTube open for us, and they're walking around with it in their pocket. <laughs> Oh, battery. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah, and the battery. And then uh, other announcement is that uh, next week on Friday, we're going to be recording with Chris Avalon, one of the fathers of Fallout. He's going to be joining yes. us for a little interview on Fallout 4, you know, his potential future in Fallout, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, all that stuff. So that's really exciting, too. Want to know even the best part? What? I'm off on Friday, so I will be able to make that. Okay. Yes. So. That's bigger than even having him on, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> having um, no I mean, on the he, podcast. He's, he's cool, but uh, like me, be, you know, I mean, I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm just I don't no, actually. No appears. <laughs> yeah. So anyways. So like, like we kind of said, we don't have an idea of what to talk about. Normally in this section, we like to talk about Bethesda as a lot of our listeners know. But since it's the holidays, they've just wrapped up. Bethesda's just got back in office. Really not much happening in gaming in general. We really don't have much to talk about. So we figured we'd, us three, talk about our favorite games of 2015. Because I sat down with Noah, Al, and George, and we talked about games in 2016. We don't want to kind of repeat that. We'll kind of briefly go over that, obviously. But we never really did a actual, you know, what the ham radio podcast liked to play in 2015. So <laughs> we'll talk about what games, although there aren't too many, between Noah and Lone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't play many games. I can't. Don't I, have the time. I'm not a gamer. <laughs> you got you to be wise nowadays and, and pick and choose which ones are good. Because now, like, I wrote down a list. I have this this list for, like, potential review copies. And, like, okay, like, for example, in April, Quantum Break, Dark Souls 3, Ratchet & Clank, Star Fox Zero, and Uncharted 4, and then possibly, because there was a leak, Mafia 3. Like, that's so many games that are our biggest fuck in one month. You know what I'm saying? I feel like in 2015, there have been so many, like you just named off, there have been so many games that have been released 
in like just slam bang order. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like one after another. And it's like, I don't, I just don't have time. Oh, no, I, I agree. I, because I, I, I think to myself when I was a kid, like maybe I just didn't pay attention as much, but the games come out this much when we were younger. I, 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 I don't recall or else I would be much more broke in high school. But you don't Man. notice because when you're young, you have so much time to do what the fuck you want. And, like, and that's true too. You know, it's sure. it's like now being an adult and having a job and stuff like that. It's like I, when I'm home, if I play a game, it's like I'll play Fallout. You know what I mean? And it's like <laughs> I, I, I would love, I would love to sit down and play um, the new Metal Gear. Like, like to no, to no end. I would, yeah, I would. No, I have, would. I have. No, I do. That I do. Game, that game's not that good. No. Well, Noah doesn't know <laughs> that, you know, does he? you know there's, like, a multitude of people who think that game is, like, fantastically better than Fallout? Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. you know, gameplay-wise, yes. Story-wise, oh, no. Did you see my camera? Fallout. I'm not even talking <laughs> about Fallout. <laughs> like, Wait, what? Let me bring it up. <laughs> Anyways. Oh. But, like... What's it called? And then Witcher has been fantastic. A lot of people have been... I, I haven't had time to play Witcher. I would love... Well... I would love to. I, I say YouTube I would love to with Witcher. And I have not fully beat everything in Witcher. I beat the main I, story and I was like, I'm done. I can't do okay. this. That's funny. You did a review of it, didn't you? I beat the game. I beat the main oh, story. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so you did beat the did, game. Huh? This is what I think, though. If you've got like a full-time job or real-life commitments... Doing side quests and all that shit, it's not really a concern. I just want to finish the main game of stuff nowadays, and I still can't do that. Fuck's sake. Like, imagine playing Witcher and trying to complete everything. What is it, Maddie? Like, a hundred and something crazy hours or more oh, than that? Oh, man. I mean, I can't even imagine, because, like, in the Witcher, Lone will know, but for Noah, like, they have a bunch of literal question marks all over the map, and these are, like, little oh. areas and caves and side shit that you can do, and then on top of that, there's actual, like, bounty boards and side quests, and there's people who give you side quests, and then there's the main story with, like, multiple fucking antics. The game is insane. I don't know how they did that. It is... Fuck, And there's, like, three, technically... Well, not three. There's, like, two, two open worlds, I guess you could say, because you have, um... I forgot what the name of the place is. Like, that, that first open world. Like, it's almost like an opening area. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, there's, um... Like, the place where Novigrad is and all that stuff. Like, that's kind of the mainland. And then there's Skellige, which is, like, a whole nother open world. I, I just can't believe Fuck. it. You know, another example is, I'm just looking at my list here. Like, you look at February, XCOM 2, Dying Light the following. Uh, I know, no, not, you what? not No, do not mention XCOM 2. That should be Bioshock. Just oh, no. I know. Right? I am going to say, though, I am going to say, XCOM 1, or well. That's what got me the, into strategy games, XCOM. I will say, yeah, XCOM 1 was actually a lot of fun to play. And it was one of the better strategy games that was done on a console. Oh, yeah. Um, now, it, it obviously came out on PC as well. But you don't see... Uh, those types of overhead strategy games on console a lot because sometimes they're not like ported well. But uh, XCOM was ported really nicely. You know, these aren't games that everyone's going to be into. But just for an example of like for me, what I would be interested in, you know, like I said, XCOM Two: Dying Light: The Following, which is essentially a whole new game. It's like that giant expansion, and you get like a, yeah. a buggy and I think like a crossbow. It's sick. And and first love, Dying Light itself um, was one of my favorites of. 2015 but it wasn't like my top five it was it was in like the top 10 maybe just because it was it, matt and i played it it was fun to play you know and it it, it had some really really cool kind of like the movement in it it was yeah. so nice and fluid and stuff like that on top of those two games though mighty number no. nine unravel fire emblem Pr far cry primal like i said these are just games that like would oh, far cry primal. i'm really looking to that yeah. why that game 
because it looks interesting. It's unique. I'm not no, sure. I realize, no, I realize every now and then I sound like a Debbie Downer. I want to apologize to the listeners because I, I just shit on Noah for liking Metal no. Gear and Lone for liking just, Far Cry. Can, can, I, I don't want to apologize. No, hold on, hold on. How many fucking, I don't know, wartime shooters do we have and all this other sure. shit and open okay. world? Like, this is a unique game set in prehistoric no, times. But Why isn't it? No, what do you mean it's not? Here's You're the judging the game before here's it's the even come out. I'm I've saying seen, I've seen, a, I've seen enough of it. I, it it's one of those things <laughs> where, <laughs> where it's it's a cool idea, but when you actually play it, you realize it's like. Okay, have you even fucking played it? Like, no, <laughs> but you have to think. Okay, what what are one of the cool things about Far Cry? Like whether it's three or four, the gun customization, the you know the 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 vehicles, you know little stuff like that. You know it, it's stuff like that. It's not the melee, okay? And it's and and when when you have Far Cry Primal, you have the bow, you have spears, okay. You have the weird ability to give yourself a pet bear or some shit like that, you know. And and it's like it's a cool idea, but when you actually do it and like play it, you're kind of like, ah, uh, you know. Have you actually done it or played it? Though is the question. Like I've, what, is- I've, I've seen enough. I myself have not played it. No, you're right. But I've seen enough of it to where it's like this is not something I'd be interested in. I feel like now maybe I could be wrong, and if I played it, I'd love it. You know. We're we're in an industry where people are like demanding new, fresh, innovative things, and when they get that, they're like, "Nah, I'm gonna go back to Call of Duty." Like, we should try to be accepting of these risks that you know That's they're true. taking with Far Cry Primal. You know what I mean? That's true. That is a fair point. I mean, yeah. I don't know though. It's just for me, it wasn't like the setting or anything. It's just it looks really janky. Like it's just it looks not like the polish of a normal Far Cry title because like three and four were pretty good, especially three. Three was a lot of fun. I didn't play four. Four was like almost basically three, except for the worst yeah. story. Um, but like Far Cry Primal just looks like they they sat in a room and they were like, okay, let's let's come up with a unique Far Cry game. They they pitched the idea for Primal. They're like, all right, this is a good idea. When they went to make the game, though, they were already too far in where they realized, shit, this just doesn't work for a video game. And they're kind of stuck now. You guys haven't even played the fucking game. <laughs> yeah, but it's like. It's like, just from what I've seen, I have no interest That's to. what I'm saying, yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be bad, but I, I'm not interested. I'm sure, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure it'll have its own it's, crowd. It's Far Cry, know? so it's not going to get bad scores because Far Cry. Yeah. Um, because I will money. say, yeah. <laughs> well, I will I say, know. on the Far Cry vein, um, Blood Dragon was one of my favorite yes. like DLCs of anything ever made. It was yeah. hilarious. Blood Dragon was amazing. That one was cool. I just that that one wasn't for me though. Personally, I, I like I I I, I tried funny. it. I liked it. I was just like I can't get into this though. But I'm, it's not because it's bad. I just couldn't, yeah. Couldn't no, I understand. It. I'm the same way with The Witcher. It's like I respect it. I know it's good. I just can't get into it. Yeah. So no, you said one of your favorite games was Dying Light. Shall we? Shall we talk about Dying Light a little? We bit? We will, especially when I have to leave in four minutes. Um. Oh gosh. What's it called? <laughs> uh, Dying Light was really cool. I thought it it. I Matt, what was the other zombie game we played? I can't. I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it. Dead Island. Uh, Dead Island. Yeah, it reminded me of Dead Island. It was fun, but it was enough different from Dead Island to where it was. It was like, you know, it was its own thing. Uh, the missions were cool. Side missions were cool. Um, you know, the concept of the zombies and the and the lurkers or whatever they were called coming out at night and genuinely like genuine fear out of that. Yeah. You know, it, it made the game. 
really fun and kind of I, I unexpectedly good. You know, I, I, better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, especially in the nighttime thing. I remember thinking that was going to be a dumb gimmick, but it was actually it was, really fun, especially because they yeah. were like, wasn't there like multipliers or something for like when you went out at night? Like you got bonus XP so. and stuff for like... Well, there were, there were like side missions you did. Really and like bad. some of them would have you like go out at night. But also like the fluid like jumping from roofs and, and, and climbing and stuff. It was just, it was a good game. It just was, you know, solid game. I think it would have been a lot more Game of the Year talks if it didn't fucking come out in January, you know? Yeah. I like I think time would, was its worst enemy. Probably would have been better if it came out, not not in the fall, you know, I wouldn't say that, but maybe in like, maybe the summer yeah. or something, you know? But see, that's the problem, right? I mean, with Game of the Year, technically games that come out this month should be considered, sorry, uh, last month should be considered for 2016 Game of the Year. Like, everything after, like, when was the Game Awards? In early December or November yeah, or some shit? like, December 5th or 6th? Yeah, so everything after that should technically be able to be considered for next, well, for this year, and it's not going to happen. Most games that come out mid-year or later in the year are going to be considered because it's fresh in people's minds. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, a lot of companies do their Game of the Year announcements in, like, really, like, right now, I think IGN just announced that Witcher 3 was their Game of the Year, like, a couple of days ago. So, like, people like to do it now because I, I thought of games like uh, Just Cause 3, which came out the first day of December, and I was, like, thinking, okay, that's definitely not going to be in a Game of the Year race. I don't think yeah. it won any awards because... I, I, I don't, don't think, think it, it did either. Sure. I think it was a pretty big disappointment. Yeah. I mean, from what I hear, it's very repetitive, that game. Yeah, um, I imagine it me. is. <laughs> it's it's yeah. kind of like they went for, like, quantity over quality, but, you know, it it's just like... One and two, or two at least. It seems like the type of game I'd fire up on the PC and just, like, sit on Skype with a friend and, like, just talk. Yeah. And not even pay attention to the game, like, fully. I get get that vibe, too. Blow shit up. You know, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, I do that with Grand Theft Auto, too. You know, once you beat the game with me, Grand Theft Auto is like, I just play it. You know, I don't don't do anything Mm -hmm. specific. But, but doesn't it seem like such a lost opportunity? You have such incredible explosions and, like, the grappling and all of that. Why not add a great story in there? Why not do something like that? Like, I mean, Just Cause has never been known for its story. Yeah, I, I've never that, been yeah. able to get into the gameplay-centric video games. I, I've noticed. Like, like, I just can't. It, it's just not me. I mean, let me like think. I used to. I, I mean, to Shovel Knight's probably the last game that just for gameplay I played. Two D side scroller, good for but me. Look, right. I, yeah. But look, guys, I gotta hop off. I gotta head over to work. So <laughs> great having you, Noah. I will see you. <laughs> Peace. Thirteen minutes. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I fucked him over again. I love it. I, have to love I had it. dinner, so, so I'm I'm like an hour late. Maddie had a four p.m. dinner. Who has four p.m. dinner? It's usually around like two or three because I'm Italian. Dinner, Italian Sunday. <laughs> what? Not I, what do you eat? Do you eat uh, like later or pasta what? And stuff. I usually eat around six, but on Sundays it's it's always earlier. Because my mom wants to relax later on in the day, I. So what do you eat? I mean, eat later on in the day. I told. Well, here's the thing. Noah, Noah, Noah worked me over too because I, I we were like ready to go for six. Noah's like, let's do this two hours early, and I'm like, all right, mom, I'm gonna go record the podcast. She's like, dinner's ready in like a couple minutes. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I was I was just ready, but like I knew my my girlfriend gave me a death stare because I'm like. Um, we're going to be recording the podcast at 8am and I kind of woke her up at 6am because I was still stuck in international time. So she doesn't like me very much right now. <laughs> I feel bad. She also doesn't like cats, apparently. I saw that. No, okay, all right. To be fair, that, right, crushed, to be fair, me. that crushed me. We, we, were in a, we were on a tropical island, all right, and 
just a ran- like random homeless cats everywhere, stray cats. And it's probably not the safest thing to bring a stray cat into the place you stay because you'd have no idea what diseases they'd have. So that, that was her reason. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. I like kitty cats, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I don't know if I'd have the heart to do that. I'd be like, come here. Come here. And then you pick them up. Yeah, but what if they had, like, legitimately could have a serious disease and, like, like they scratched you or something? Well, Think about it, Maddie. Think about it. I trust the innocence in that, that kitten's no, face. <laughs> right I love how we've derailed on this podcast already. Yes. That's great. So, um, games of 2015 that we really enjoyed. Let's go through your vast library, because I've kind of I've, I've talked about this on my channel already, so I'll only be brief about mine, so we'll, we'll go in-depth with yours. So, so it's funny, because the games that I played in 2015 and finished, they're, they're so numerous in number, not really, but the games that came out before 2015, so well, I've like... I think you yeah, can make I an know. exception, because I know Total Biscuit did like a 2015 game of the year list, and I, or 2014 it was, and he picked Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, even though I think that was 2013 on all yeah. consoles, but it came out on PC for 2014. He's like, I don't care, this is a good game. Why well, so, he's solely a PC gamer, like he just doesn't... That's yeah. what he focuses on. So if it came out on PC, then I get that. Um, but th- these are the games I literally finished in... Oh, uh, there's my... Can you answer the door, please? Thank you so much. I love you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, sorry, someone's just rung our doorbell. And my dog is going crazy. So what have I finished in 2015? I finished Fallout 4, of course. Thank God I actually did that. Yep. Um, and I finished Dishonored, even though that's not a 2015 game. I finished Outlast. Remember my Outlast stream, Maddie? That was yes, great. Outlast that. 2. That's coming. I can't oh, wait. No. And Spec Ops The Line, I finished in 2015, even though it was a 2014 game. Or 2013, or something really I think old, it was right? 2012, actually, believe it or not. Fuck, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think my favorites, and I'm not going to say Fallout 4 because that's the cliche, was probably Spec Ops The Line. Mm-hmm. It actually, and I know it's not a 2015 game, people are commenting already, but. It really does affect you emotionally because the decisions, like, no matter what decision you make in that game or the decisions along the game, you're making a bad choice. The game tricks you into thinking that you can make a good choice, but in the end, you still make the bad choices and you fuck yourself up and you feel fucking terrible. And those of you that have played the game know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, these are going to be spoilers, but on the stream, I remember when I was playing it, there's a scene where you're using gas to kill people and then you're in the fucking chopper or whatever and shooting down. And there was this big crevasse and there's a bunch of white dots. I'm like, this doesn't look right. There's a bunch of people there that I'm going to kill. And I just started shooting them without really thinking, even though it was at the back of my mind, that this doesn't seem right. And then you go there and you've realized you've killed like hundreds or potentially thousands of innocent people. Oh That's the kind gosh. of fucked up game that it... Do you remember I don't that? I remember that, no. <laughs> so you obviously didn't do that, but I did. And I was like, you know what, there's these white dots, I'll kill them. Like, you know, the game, I guess, tricked me into thinking that the white dots were enemies. So when I saw a bunch of them, I'm like, yeah, I want to kill them all. And it turned out that I just killed a bunch of innocent people. It seemed it's to a game... like a, a video game trope against you to make you exactly. go like, ah, oh, fuck, I just killed everyone. And there's this other scene where it's like, oh yeah, try to save this person or something, and you try to save him, and they die, and then you're still doing that at the expense of some civilians. It's, it's, it's such a really dense and... It makes you feel that game. It really hits you at home. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I absolutely loved it. I actually love I love games nowadays that make me feel and make me think and that actually tell a compelling story. Again, not like just generic gameplay. I don't <laughs> say generic, but that's why Spec Ops: The Lines definitely yeah, was, I mean, was a. It, yeah, if, to be fair, the the gameplay wasn't selling Spec Ops: The Line. You know, it's a, no, it's a, just a basic third person shooter. Yeah. But it was the the choices that you made. Mm-hmm. Even the story wasn't all that interesting. It was more the way it was told mm-hmm. and how the story un- unraveled that was really really interesting. Yeah, because um, it starts yeah. off. I mean, to be fair, it also it takes like a couple of hours before you get to your first choice. So it's like for anyone yeah. who's thinking about trying it out, despite a spoiler that we gave, um, you know, it, it, <laughs> it's it takes a couple of hours to really warm up because it starts off kind of I don't want to say basic. It's pretty gripping from the start, but like it, it takes a while to really evolve into what makes it such a damn good game. And it was it was such a underrated game. I mean, when you, when you look at uh, you know great games that people talk of, Spec Ops: The Line really really comes up. And I'm thinking it's one of those games that should because mm-hmm. it really does make you feel. And how many games nowadays truly do that? Like, did Fallout Four truly make you feel at times? Maybe. Um, but what what else? Like I, I I can't think of a game that really hit me at home as much as Spec Ops: The Line did. Yeah, I mean I'm not in the military or anything, so it didn't hit me at home per se. But like it was like one of those choice, yeah, yeah. like choice games where like anything you did in the game, like you saw the outcome, you're like, oh shit. Yeah, that's and if you replay the game, it, it, it no matter what choice you make, it, the game still makes you you know feel like you're making the wrong choice mm-hmm. and that's the entire point of it it's like war there are no right choices everything's just fucked up essentially yeah so yeah it was it was, it was really good i enjoyed it so other than that what else have you played you said dishonored i think dishonored yeah um did you say dishonored i don't remember i did say dishonored okay now i like dishonored it was a game that you know the gameplay was fun for a while um but i felt like it could have done a bit more okay Maybe, and I know I'm really story critical and I like having stories in video games even though that's not technically like typically what they're known for per se mm-hmm. but I feel like Dishonored could really have taken leaps and bounds with the story and that would have made it a great game I find that with a lot of video games that I play this, like you just, all you need to do is add a good story and that turns a, a great game or to be in a fantastic game or a good game to be a great game yeah, and I feel like package. they really could have done that yeah exactly right and I'm not going to mention my favorite game of all time, or one of my favorite games, but you know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, but do you feel the same or not? Uh, Dishonored? I mean, I remember when I was playing Dishonored, uh, I played it through twice, and, or I played it through like five times technically. Like When I first got the game, I, I endlessly played that game, but like yeah. in total, I've sat down twice to really play it through, and... Mm. I guess you could say the gameplay is what hooked me more than anything because I, in when I first bought it on my 360, you know, I did the lethal playthrough, non-lethal playthrough, ghost playthrough, and all that stuff. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's what kind of kept me going. And especially, I liked the way they added collectibles. They added, like, hidden side secrets and stuff. Um, they added some side quests. It was kind of cool because it wasn't just an assassin game, but you were also kind of like a thief. You know, you'd break mm. into houses and steal stuff. Yeah, uh, but I also thought the story was interesting in the sense of that you're trying to build up your name, and then you know there's just so much betrayal involved in That's the game. I, I thought it was a it wasn't like a mind blowing story, but it was a good one that got the job done. And the ending definitely yeah. left it open for a sequel, which uh, it seems two is definitely going to carry out properly. It, it it's set up. Yeah, well. I can't wait for that. 
I, th- I think two is going to be really compelling because if you truly think about it, the person that was most affected, and again, spoilers here, but the person that was most affected in that game was, was it Emily? That was her name? Yeah, or Emily. I, Yeah, it was Emily. Like, at the end of the day, it was her mother that was killed. Mm-hmm. You know, it was um, Corvo that was trying to, you know, get back his reputation and save his name and all of that. But Emily was the true victim in that game. And now we can see the result of her, her vengeance and her, you know, her desire to, to take vengeance on, on the people that killed her. And I think that could be where the story goes because I don't know what else you could tell with Emily. Like, what else is there to tell unless I think of something new? But I still feel like she'd have vengeance for her mother being killed. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Dishonored seems to always have been a... Uh story like the story of Dishonored rather has always been a vengeance thriving one you know it, it feeds off of that yeah. type of stuff um and I, I feel like with Emily there is room for that vengeance where you you kind of get back at certain people in the game but they're the people who worked over Corvo you never really I mean I guess yeah. you kind of do go straight for the source in the first Dishonored but there's still some people you you have to go after afterwards I'm curious what Corvo actually looks like though in Dishonored yeah. too, because I, they haven't shown him yet, and I'm thinking if Emily's like a young adult now, it seems. Yeah, I wonder if Corvo is like you know, is he gonna look old? Well, I hope. So. Well, it will make sense, right? But yeah. I don't know. Cor- Corvo is so um, iconic with the mask that he has, and I'm not too sure. And I, I think there were at times in Dishonored One where you'd actually see Corvo's face. Is that correct? Uh there. I don't think you see it in cutscenes or anything. I believe it's on like posters and yeah, okay. advertisements like that. You know, Corvo Otano is that like being hunted down or whatever. Mm. Or just wanted. Yeah, I think that's where you see his face. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, I'm really excited for Dishonored 2. And I th- that's coming out this year, isn't it? Or is it Correct. next that's, year? That's one game I'm looking forward to very much. I, I feel like it's going to be like, uh, it's going to come out in the fall, though. Get this feeling. Yeah. Like, it's they're really going to take their time with it because. It's it's one of those games that everyone's really excited for, but no one really talks about. It, it's kind of like the Spec Ops that's Line, true. where it's like a game that's so appreciated, yeah. but no one talks about how good it is. Mm. And I, I hate it when really good games or good games are just swept under the radar. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's not enough money being put into the marketing engine, so it's not really getting that much hype. Like I, Obviously, Doom is, is Bethesda's priority right now. I'm hearing much more about Doom than I am about Dishonored. Yeah. Um, but you know, hopefully, it gets the attention that it does deserve, if it is a good game, that is. Yeah, but, apparently, Doom's release date leaked. It was supposed to be June 30th. That sounds realistic to me. June 30th? Okay, fair enough. So I'm looking forward to that. I I wanted it to be like, well, no, I wanted it to be, but like I imagined it being a May or April game. So June was a little bit, I don't want to say surprising, but it was more believable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this game has so, been in development for a long time, long bloody time. But I think it's gonna. I don't know. It's it's hard to judge a game when you actually haven't played it. But hopefully, it you know it's gonna satisfy the needs and the and the wants of those that have played the original Doom because it does seem like. You know that they were talking about how it's that heavy metal, it's that rock and roll, yeah. it's the, the gore and all of that. So I, it I, looks like it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I played the Close Alpha. I can't say anything, obviously, but um, oh fuck you, Mister uh, Maddie plays play the Close NDA. Alpha. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I, I I signed on one day uh, to my email, and I had I had a what's it called sitting there like a, a code from Bethesda. I was like, well then, okay, I'll play and. I can't say anything. Well, anyway, uh, I'm thinking, though, that I played a lot of the original Doom. That's the only Doom I played. I tried 3, BFG yep. edition, 
just like I think the HD remaster on 360, and it just... I could not get into it to save my life. I don't know if those games are considered good, Doom 2 and 3. I'm, maybe they are. I think the series kind of got off track from what I've read. But, like, yeah. I really... And especially for an old-school game, because I played Doom, the first one, on just the Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I beat it. You know, it was a fun game. You know, it's as simple as it gets, but, you know, it was just a good time. And it seems that, uh, you know, this, this upcoming Doom really kind of captures that same magic that was in the first one so i'm really looking forward to it so i hope that uh you know june 30th is the release date because that's my birthday month i'll take that that birthday money and and go in there and drop some cash that that birthday money hopefully someone will gift it to you (laughs) man no i'll probably (laughs) buy it for myself yep fair enough fair enough so dishonored Um, and then what else is on your list it was i i played outlast that that was really fun like (sighs) we had a the game Epic, was terrifying. Like I'm getting like a headache thinking about it. That game just really. <laughs> I thought that game. I thought that game was so scary at times. It it, it was scary. Um, I, I don't know, but it it wasn't as like okay on stream. Yeah, I, I, there are times where I just shat myself, right? Yeah. But I feel like there are games that made me feel a bit more scared, and Slender is like one of those games, which uh. which really made me terrified. Amnesia, I I never got that feeling of of you know being really scared or fearful. I don't know why. I see a lot of people playing or you know gameplays of Amnesia, The Dark Descent, and people just getting this, you know so fucking scared. It wasn't that scary to me, to be honest. I think um, I never beat yeah, it. Again, so sl- yeah, Slender did really well. But honestly, I I really How much enjoyed Outlast. Do I have on Amnesia? I have a uh, hundred and six minutes in that. So you didn't really play it much. It just didn't appealed to me that much to be honest yeah. it was just like I, like there were parts that were creepy especially when like yeah. the enemies start i don't know what they're called but like when the enemies start showing up and like following you around and like it makes just basic exploration really like intense yeah yeah but but i, I don't know i, I just uh, i'm not a big horror I'm- guy the only horror game is really not that much of a horror game that i played through and enjoyed quite a bit was the evil within thing. yeah yeah so was that was that a good game like when when did that come out by the way last 2014 yeah i was about to say last year but yeah 2014 october uh it was i it was a surprise for me because i thought it was going to be like kind of shitty um yeah it just kind of looked during the demos like low quality but it was one of my favorite games of 2014 it was really good the the story was good even though it was confusing for a lot of people yeah. Uh, it was gameplay wise fantastic. You know, it's by the guy who created Resident Evil Four. Yeah, um, I forgot what his name is. I think Shinji Mikami or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so you know, there was like that. You always had just enough ammo to get the job done, but you never mm. knew if like your shot would be off and like you know you get fucked up or something like that. It was a long game too. It was like twenty hours long. So that that was a little bit uh, of a pleasant surprise. It was yeah. I really enjoyed it. And it really wasn't a scary game though until like the the, the Godforsaken Chapter Nine. Oh my gosh, that was scary. Because because like it played it, it did something unique where like when you're walking around the the main antagonist would just pop up out of nowhere and just like walk you down. And if you ran away, he'd spawn somewhere else and kind of keep tracking you down. So it whenever he spawned in, it was kind of uh, I don't want to say it was set. It was usually dynamic. It felt like because there were times he wouldn't yeah. spawn in the same area twice. 
but it, it made shit so intense. And like, I, I woke up my mom one time because I'm, I'm sitting in a party. My friends just like running around. I'm like, oh fuck, this is him. I think his name is like Rubik or something like that. I'm yeah. Like, oh fuck, that's him. And like, he like just tracked me down. And like, I turned a corner. And he was just standing there, and he killed me. I was like, I screamed so loud. Wait, so what's his name? I, I I don't know why I'm thinking of Pyramid Head. That's what what's who's Pyramid Head from? Silent Hill. Okay, I, I'm getting my games confused right Rubik, now. Rubik R U B I K. I believe that. Just type in R U B I K. Type in the evil. Oh, name. that's the, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah like the f- stitched face, weird looking guy. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. And what what is your favorite game in 2015, Matty? I, I don't know. Uh, if I, well, I, I I said that. In a video, You're say Fallout 4. Yeah, Fallout would be. But <laughs> um, what was my second one on my list? I'm trying to remember right now. Let me go through my library here. You made a video on it. I made like a video on my top five. That's what I was asking you and Noah because I've kind of already I've done this to some degree. But yeah, fair enough. Um, is it my Steam library? I know I did Witcher, Rocket League, Until def- Dawn. Why can't definitely I... wasn't uh, Metal Gear. <laughs> no, no. Why can't I remember number two? Hold on, let me go to my. It was the Elder Scrolls Online, wasn't it? Just yes. Just be honest, dude. <laughs> did, did that video of yours get a lot? Of... Yeah, it did get a lot of hate. <laughs> yeah. Nah, yeah. It's gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I mean, like, I that was one of those videos you, you literally hit the upload button. And you're like, I already know that uh, no one's gonna like this. Yep. Oh, here we go. You've got Witcher, Rocket League. Oh, what's what's the game? Bloodborne. That's what it was. That game was... F- yeah, yeah. See, I couldn't think of that because I've been playing... Um, what's it called? I've been playing Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin lately. And so mm. that's probably why it didn't cross my mind. But yeah, Bloodborne was... It was really good. I mean, I, I feel like that's a game that was... Oh my gosh. That, thing, that game didn't receive enough praise because for... The first reason is that the gameplay was really good because it it, it forced you to learn the game, and there was like a good article yeah. on IGN about it, like how once you get over that learning curve, it's such a good game. It's just that people didn't want to get over that learning curve because it wasn't like how everyone was used to with Demon Souls, Dark Souls One and Two, where you could get away with hiding around your shield and being patient. Where Bloodborne flips it on its head, and it's like you actually want to be aggressive in this game and like not be afraid of dying and run at your enemies and, you know, try to dodge and, like, you're, you know, if you get hit, you can get your health back by hitting them. Uh, it used a lot of unique mechanics. Yeah. And I, I really liked the gameplay in Bloodborne. Uh, you know, the bosses were there. They were pretty good. A little easy if, like, I if, like, whenever, when I was on, like, my binge for Bloodborne and, like, I had this game memorized, like, the back of my hand at the time, uh, you know, it <laughs> was not a hard game. It's it's definitely the easier of the once you get the hang of it. It is definitely the easier of all the games in that series. That was on the video game awards um, game of the year list, wasn't it? Bloodborne. Yeah, it was mentioned, but it didn't win anything. Because, like I said, I think same thing with with Dying Light. I think a good part of the reason that these games can win game of the year is even though it shouldn't factor into it, is because of how well people remember them. You know, yeah. people don't have time to go back and play a game that they already beat for a game of year list to to verify if it should be on that list and why they should like it. You know, so mm. I mean, I, I can't think of a game that's that's come out in like February or, or January and won a game of the year despite how good it is. 
I'm sure there are some examples, I mean, yeah, but yeah, sure. it, it, it's kind of one of those things where it's at the back of your mind and the most recent game that you've played is the most fresh and the ones that, you know, oh, that one's really good, but yeah. it's only because yeah, you've just played it. Yeah, um, but for me, Bloodborne was on the top of my list, even though I can't remember. It was on the top of my list because I, I had such a blast with it. It was, I mean, it, it came to the point where I had this game memorized so well that I when I was going for the platinum trophy, I I beat it in eight hours without dying. You know, it, it far out. Yeah, so I I was pretty impressed with myself at that point. But uh, you know, I like I said, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's it's definitely in comparison to the other Souls game, it's a lot smaller. Mm. Not much to do, um, but it's also got a more concise story, which mm. definitely helps out a lot because the Souls games just they don't make any sense. Uh, yeah, unless fair. unless you fucking study up which I'm not going to do. I, I already yeah. have enough trouble surviving. I'm not going to study up on what the hell's going on. <laughs> well, I wish I got the chance to play it. Like, I remember I tried to get into Dark Souls and just got my ass hand. Actually, no, you know what? I tried to get into Dark Souls 1 on the PC, but you have to download all these fucking mods and shit to get the game running properly. Really? So I just... Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work out of the box, and it's still on sale, funny enough. So I think I started playing it on 360 or something. Um... But I thought it was a fully fledged co-op game, uh, so I made my mate and I wanted to play it. But you've got to get like the white soapstone and mm-hmm. spawn him, and then he's not really in the game. It's it yeah, was really you can weird. Spawn him for like the area, and then he'll run around with you until you like beat the boss. Uh, and then, like there's soul levels you have to account for and shit, and there's tears. It's so tedious. It, yeah, it's so. so tedious. I, it's just to keep people from buying the game and doing a co-op because it is a lot easier on co-op because you can literally sit back and let someone do the work for you and then like because they don't. The issue that is with these co-op in Souls or with co-op in Souls rather is that it doesn't scale up the difficulty or like the enemies yeah. or anything. So like when you're playing co-op, it, it's the same game that you'd play by yourself. So it's well, not hard. Well, they could easily scale up those enemies and obviously they have the infrastructure to support online co-op i don't understand why they don't just do it i think it's one of those games that's perfectly suited i know my, people might disagree with me but you know being in that hopeless scenario where these you know crazy enemies wouldn't you want a friend to experience that with you you seem to be warming up to it more like bloodborne was it's gotten lot. easier i know it's gotten easier yeah like bloodborne was very co-op friendly where you didn't have to like keep matchmaking a million and one times it's always mm. kind of it's always going to be that like area by area thing where you have to go through the area and it's going to send me back to my world and then you have to call me back in because I, I just don't see them unless they make literally I think it would be cool if they went like a multiplayer route like strictly focusing on that and like made like a four player co op game but still had that insane difficulty where like you and your friends had to cooperate and learn together yeah imagine that shit oh my gosh. We should do a zombies playthrough, Maddie. We should do a zombie series. It'll be so much fun. Black Ops, let's do it, bro. <laughs> I only have Black Ops Three. I'll get Black Ops Three. I don't give a shit. On my PS4 though. Ah, oh, Maddie. Oh, Maddie. Why the fuck? Why would I buy COD on the PC? Is is beyond me. I have World okay, at War. Okay, fair I have, enough. I have World at War on my PC. Okay, fair enough. But. What if we were to buy? Like I remember the best, mo- my best moments in gaming, most enjoyable moments in gaming were zombies. I'm thinking, what else would be better than you, Noah, and I, and one other person? Just, just do some zombies, man. Let's have some sessions. Let's have some sessions. <laughs> I'm serious. Why I'm, do you think I'm joking? I'm not, I, I really don't think would... you are. I'm game. I'm game. I don't. I don't have a problem with it. I just don't want to spend more money on, dude. 
when Black Ops 2 was on sale during the Steam sale, I think it was still like 30 or 20 bucks. Like it was still something ridiculously overpriced. I, I do remember the, the season pass for that game being like just as much as the full price game in America. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. And we're, we're about, when we get to the news bit, we're talking about the Oculus because that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we should do some zombie sessions. So anyways, I feel like we've discussed games. Yeah. So I guess we will move on to, to segment three, our favorite news bit. And what we're playing, while you go on about the Oculus Rift, I'm going to look for some news. Like I said, this, this podcast is, is just a fucking mess. But it's great, isn't it? So, Oculus, there was the CES event um, in Las Vegas this week or last week sometime. And the price for the Oculus Rift, the consumer version, was released. And it's $599 US. And it comes with a few things. It comes with an Xbox One controller. It comes with some other shit. And a game, I think, or two or something like that. And people are a bit up in arms because the initial price point that the founder of the Oculus actually you know, threw around was 300 to $350. And I actually thought that the Oculus was going to be that much. I didn't really follow the news all that well, but I knew that that price point was thrown around. Mm-hmm. He even actually said, the founder, that something that's priced at 600 might as well not even be on the market or something like that. So the fact that he's now put it to 600 was a bit of a surprise in that sense, and I think he's he they failed to communicate that well, or they just didn't manage expectations. But if you really think about it, six hundred dollars US for an Oculus is probably about right, given the technology that you're getting. I mean, you're, you're getting, you know, uh, I think Total Biscuit was talking about this uh, high resolution screen. It's not ten ten eighty p. It's something else, and you're getting it with G Sync. You're getting a lot of technology. And it's cutting edge, it's bleeding edge. So, of course, when it's the first wave, it's going to be a bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm a bit jaded, I guess, because 599 US, when you take into account conversion rates and shipping, if I wanted to purchase it for myself, I'd be paying $1,100 Australian. Now, I don't, I'm not that willing to spend 1100 bucks on an Oculus. And, and I'm going to be, personally, I'd wait for a price drop. But I don't know, would you spend $600 US on an Oculus? Well, here's the thing. I, I read an interesting article on Game Informer uh, that I've thought since the very beginning that uh, I think the exact quote was like, Ocul- or, VR is the future of gaming, but that future is not now. Where it's kind yeah. of like, it reminds me of how Xbox One and Microsoft had the right idea with digital gaming only and how digital was trending and was just only going to get you know more digitized and stuff and it's yeah. true i buy a lot of games digitally now that's i i still to this day prefer getting my physical copy but th- there are times where i'm just laying there in my pajamas i'm like i don't want to go out i'm just gonna buy it digitally you know and, and yeah. so microsoft had the right idea back in 2013 people gave them shit it's kind of haunted them to this day even though now people are like well i guess they actually weren't wrong and so yeah. i think uh, that same thing won't happen with Oculus, but I think it's not going to sell as much until it drops and until some big game comes out that's like, this is what you imagined video games being, you know, like that, you know, you yeah. have it on your head and like you're looking around and you're running in this open world or whatever. I think that's when yeah. it's going to sell a lot. Me personally, when I spent 600 when I saw that the price, I, I mean, I'm in the complete minority here. I thought it was a little bit cheaper than I would have expected. And I didn't, yeah, uh, mind yeah. you, I didn't pay attention to the Oculus Rift. At all. Like, at all. Yeah. So, for anyone out there who's rolling their eyes when I say that, that's why. Because I just knew this was virtual reality, 
I knew yeah. that it was something that I dreamed of as a kid. So I knew yeah. that this was probably going to be insanely overpriced because of A, the technology, and B, yeah. the dream that everyone has. Yeah. So it didn't surprise me when I saw 600 Did I consider it slightly? But then I realized, wait, I've never really watched a video on even PlayStation VR either. Like, I... Yeah. It's not that I don't care. It's just, like, I'm not... I, I don't... It's not appealing to me to have, like... You know, headset's enough to have, like, a fucking mask on. Like, what if my house is on fire? I'm not gonna know. <laughs> I don't I think... I'm not joking. I'm saying, like, I'm, I'm saying that's what I think of. But, like, I remember hearing, I think, yeah. Adam Sessler say that. And I'm like, that's so true. Like, headsets cut me off enough. Like, if I'm wearing a full fucking mask, if someone's calling me or something, you know... It, I, I guess it's a matter of considering others. For me, personally, where, like, at least with my headphones on, I'll feel my phone or I'll notice my phone going off if I don't feel it. You know, but with... Uh, with a fucking giant screen in front of my eyes. I don't even imagine that's good for your health either. Well, okay, if, well, I, if I'm yeah. quite honest. A lot of people, um, in terms of motion sickness, like people that don't typically get motion sickness can get motion sickness from VR because it's just so jarring. Mm-hmm. And those that typically do suffer from motion sickness, even like those that uh, get a little bit sick or queasy because the field of view is is a certain length or whatever, they're not going to be able to enjoy VR as much as other people. Yeah. But I don't. In terms of like your eyes, I don't think it's going to be necessarily bad for your eyes. I don't see like I, I've heard for so long that you know if you play too many video games alone, they don't call eat your alone. carrots. Yeah, yeah, you, you're going to get cross-eyed. You're going to go blind, and not like there's been no real evidence of that. It's just like something that makes sense, right? If you have your eyes too close to a screen, yeah. you know you're going to get bad eyes or whatever. But I have perfect vision, and I play. Well, I, I stare at a screen a lot. So I don't think there's the evidence to back that up that it's necessarily bad for your health. And also, typically, take everything in, in you know, moderation. Take breaks. Don't, don't spend way too long playing it. You probably won't be able to spend too long playing it because it is a bit jarring and you might get a bit sick and queasy. Um, but back to the price point, I think there are two camps here. There are the camps, the camp that actually followed all the Oculus news. They knew about the 300 to 350 estimation that was thrown around by the founder and they're the ones that are surprised about the price because it was a bit yeah, poorly communicated and sense. expectations weren't really managed. And then there are people like you, Maddie, for example, that didn't really follow the news. And when the five ninety nine price point was released, you're like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense because you didn't follow it that closely. Um, in, in, in the end, it's, it's an enthusiast product, right? And this is yeah. exactly what Total Biscuit said. First of all, you're going to have to spend that much to get the equipment. But you need a pretty decent PC to be able to run it. I mean, you That's need a nine. True. You need a nine seventy, right? And as much as we think that a nine seventy is a relatively good priced GPU, how many people that have PCs generally have a nine seventy gaming PC? Apparently, according to Total Biscuit, there's like less than five percent of people on Steam own a nine seventy. Oh now, of gosh. course, you've got the tight. You've got the nine eighty. You've got the seven eighty Ti. You've got the Titan X. Whatever. Fine, those could be able to run it as well. 970 is the minimum. But you're talking about a really, really, really small audience that has the PC, and then further on that, a really, really small audience that's going to be willing to spend the money to purchase the hardware. So it really is enthusiastic. And, and of course, now that you mention that, now that that hardware is an accessory, technically, you know, it's, it's exactly. a side thing. You don't need it. Yeah. That makes the biggest difference, too. I never even thought of that. I mean, my PC and, and, would be fine, but as a general consumer, yeah. I'd stay away until I think drops. Oh, definitely. And, and for example, if you wanted to, if the price point was lower, say if it was like four hundred, you might think, "Oh, with that extra two hundred or whatever, I could now buy a nine seventy, and my PC would be up to snuff." 
Um, and I think this price point might scare people away from upgrading the, their PCs, let alone purchasing the Oculus itself. And But again, you know, this is a, an enthusiast thing, and it's kind of a, does the chicken or the egg come first? You need a, a decent install base to have developers create software for this product, but they're not going to want to create software for this product unless it's a decent install base. So I don't... I don't the Wii U. Yeah, so I don't know how successful uh, the Oculus is going to be. I think the fact that Facebook is behind it now means that they're going to fucking try because they got a lot of, a lot of money mm-hmm. to, to afford to be in negative you know, um, revenue. I, I think they're going to be fine from that point. They've got Facebook behind them. That's fine. I think Sony is a bit on thin ice because I saw some estimations for the Morpheus and it was like four to $600 as well, US. But the problem with Sony is that they're not doing that well financially. They're doing well in their gaming department. Don't they're get me wrong. They're, doing, they're, they're not overall, definitely not. So that obviously they don't have the, the the bank that Facebook does to be able to keep the Oculus floating if the sales were poor and the install base was poor. But it's something that I'm still really excited about. I'd love to try. I, I still haven't tried the Morpheus or even the Vive. Well, I don't know how much that's going to be priced. But I think. Until we get a price drop, it's going to be out of the hands of a lot of people, including myself, even though I have the PC. Because people that are overseas, especially where the US dollar is really strong, you're going to be paying a lot of money for it. Yeah. And for not a lot of, of gain at this stage, at the very least, anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not big on the VR quite yet. Have you tried it? No, I haven't had an opportunity to try it. Apparently, it's just mind-blowing. Like, when I went to EB Expo, people were playing with the, the Morpheus. And apparently, the Morpheus is better quality than the um, Oculus Rift. So, I don't know how Sony is actually going to price undercut the Oculus Rift. To be honest, I think they're going to go 550 That's my guess. Just to, just to be under it a little bit and yeah. to say, hey, you only <sighs> need to spend three to $400 on a PS4 to be able to play VR with us. As yeah, opposed to getting a 970 they, ha- they definitely have to take advantage of the fact that they now know the price of the Oculus and they, they will have to adjust and at least be under them. They'll undercut, without a doubt. And they'll they'll emphasize the fact that it's going to be, overall, in the big scheme of things, it'll be less to be able to enjoy VR on a PS4 because the PS4 is cheaper. Or they could try it, to just, just go all quantity and hope a lot of people buy it to sell it for like 200 bucks. Imagine that. Like They're, they're totally undercutting well, themselves, but so many people go out and buy it that they make it. They enough. can't do it. No, they need to... They need to make at least some of a profit on you know each sale, but I don't even know. Like, do you think like the Oculus Rift is making a sale on each bundle sold? I mean, how expensive is that that hardware? It's it's cutting edge. Again, Matty, you were surprised that it was five ninety nine. I don't know if they are making much of a profit, if at all, on each sale. But I, I guess mean, we, I'd, imagine, we don't I'd imagine with the stuff packaged in there. Um, that they're really not making that much. I'd imagine they have to be making a profit with that kind of price, but I wouldn't yeah. say it's that much. No. But, I don't know, we'll see. It's, it's an interesting thing to follow, but hopefully I get to play with the Oculus Rift soon just to see what all the fuss is about. But anyways, that's my news. And I'm guessing you didn't play any games this week because you've been away. Actually, okay, I have been. I have been. Oh. So, you know, while on holiday, a lot of downtime by the pool, whatever... So I downloaded Pokemon Crystal. I've been having oh, so much fun with that. Damn. Fucking great game. Yeah, I, when's the last time you played Pokemon Crystal? Uh, I believe we had this talk. That's the only Pokemon game I have never played besides Black <laughs> and White 2. Yep. 
I have played like <laughs> yellow, red, blue, like all of them, even though they are all basically the same game except yellow. Huh? You start with a Pikachu, you know, basically all those emerald, you know, uh, ruby. Uh, what else is there? Black and white played that, but hated uh, it. So black and white two did not touch. X and Y, yep, played those. Can't believe you haven't played Crystal. Okay, so I've played you know first generation, second generation with Crystal, uh, Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald, and potentially the one after that I can't remember. But Crystal's been always the pinnacle Pokemon game. I think Black and White was after Emerald and Ruby yeah. So and I, I, I think I touched, I dabbled in Black and White, but I never really got into it. Black and so White I can't was okay, but it was so weird because nothing from like Emerald and Ruby or anything carried over, which was already kind of weird. Because Emerald and Ruby didn't carry anything over from previous ones, like yeah, it was a the ones before thing. it had done. But it felt yeah. good. But then when they did it again, it's like no, no, just no, bring them yeah, all. Yeah, but dude, Pokemon Crystal, I-, I love that game because you know coming from the original Pokemon Red, Blue, and and Yellow, where you experienced, I think it's Johto or Kanto, I can't remember the the uh, um, areas, but. <laughs> When, when you play Crystal, right, you finish the main game and then it's like, oh, just, just travel on this small patch of, of sea. And now you, you're playing in the original world that you played in, in Red, Blue and Yellow. It, it's, it was so exciting. And then you get to, to go through another eight gym leaders and, and versus you know, Red. That sounds, that sounds fucking awesome. I can't lie. Even it, to, even to it this was day, awesome. that, that was sounds awesome. like, I feel like if I played that as a kid, I would have crapped my pants if I saw that happen. And I, I, you didn't know, like... Because back in the day, you know, the internet wasn't that great. I didn't. I actually didn't have internet until very, very late. I was a late adopter, so I had no fucking idea. So I bought Crystal, and I'm like, "Yeah, I finished the main game." And then they're like, "You want to travel back to the blue, yellow, and, and red world?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" And then you go saw the gym leaders, and oh man, that was a great game. So I'm currently playing that, but I don't know if I'm going to be playing it much now that I'm back home. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been playing, and it's been awesome. Awesome. For me, what I've been playing, <sighs> yep, Elder Scrolls Online. Okay, so coming from you, and because you are you are a bit of a fanboy, Maddie, I'll, I'll I'll say that. But you don't think it's that bad? I have twenty hours in it already. It's not too bad. Twenty hours isn't bad. So so what what are your thoughts? You think it's it's not? It's not... I mean, I found myself now kind of skipping through the quest dialogue because I'm just playing with my friends now, where it's like we just want to level up and stuff. Because it, it's a little bit of lore here. I'm not a lore freak with Elder Scrolls quite yet, but this much I can say is that it takes place in the second era, which is before okay. uh, I think I think Daggerfall was the second one or Arena, whatever. I always fuck that up. But Morrowind, it takes place before Morrowind, before Oblivion, it takes place before Skyrim, which is in the fourth era. So it's like. It, it I don't want to sound like a dick, but it's not like anything that's happening in this game matters because I can literally go to Morrowind and just learn from there, you know. Yeah. It, so it's like nothing in the universe is intriguing. If that was the first mistake they I, they made when I learned about that, because I I, I realized I'm like you know it, this is good to brush up on the lore if you're like me and you're just kind of trying to generally learn. But there comes a point where you realize if they just put this like ahead of Skyrim or like just after Skyrim it would have been so much more interesting in the sense of world building because they would have been advancing Elder Scrolls, but instead they're just sitting back like, all right, we'll do this Bethesda while you do Fallout 4. Yeah. And then, and then, 
now that Fallout 4 is out, Bethesda will work on Elder Scrolls 6. They will make that. They will kill Elder Scrolls Online, and Fallout Online will be announced. I'm telling you. I am telling you. There is no way in hell that procedure, does, or process, rather, does not happen. Mm. I'm, I'm so confident in that theory. I'll never say okay. it in a video, other than this video. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm this one. I think I well, I did make like a disgusting speculation on it, but like I I just I am so confident that because there's no way that Elder Scrolls Online can live side by side with an Elder Scrolls Six coming out, so they'll like start weaning off support for it and be like, here's Fallout Online, bitches, and it's like, oh my gosh, here we go. Everyone's okay, so worst nightmare. I, I remember the initial reaction to Elder Scrolls Online, and I think. The Metacritic scores were like 70 or something, but the fan reaction was a bit more negative because I think it was a um, miscommunication or, or people just didn't understand the concept. People thought that they were playing Elder Scrolls, single-player Elder Scrolls, but with friends. Yeah, see, and, that's, that's... And that was a problem. Because when it was first announced, I remember making a, a video on it, and there was actual genuine excitement for this game, uh, especially because mm. the screens looked pretty good. And stuff, it, 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 it looked like an interesting game. And it was when gameplay leaked that things kind of unraveled for ESO. Because yeah. it, it just looked... I'll, I'll still say to this day that the launch game for ESO was terrible. Okay. Uh, but Tamriel Unlimited's uh, a lot better. It looks better. It plays better. It adds like a couple of new things. Like you can steal from people. You can pickpocket people. You can kill NPCs if you want. It adds a couple of like freedom things. Um, but it, it's not a amazing elder scrolls games but it's not bad either you know it's not like everyone makes it out to be where it's like this awful sinful act on bethesda's behalf it's not it makes more sense than a fallout mmo i'll say that much i'm sure there could be a fallout online but elder scrolls online makes sense because there's so many factions and lands and it's so expansive and like it's actual thriving land where you can imagine lots of different races running around and doing quests and stuff where in fallout you saw that many people running around you kind of think to yourself well yeah, I thought this was the apocalypse, you know? Like, why are there yeah. so many people running around if this world sucks? And, and you make a good point about the races because, you know, Skyrim, or Elder Scrolls rather, has so many different races that it makes sense for an MMO perspective. But with Fallout, I guess you have different factions. So you'll have a bunch of factions helping other settlements in the middle in Minutemen. And then, like, you have... General, um, there's another settlement that needs your help. <laughs> the memes on that is... But it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I've seen one but of a you... fortune cookie, one where like an axe goes to the wall, and then all of a sudden Preston Garvey's there, and then what was the other one? A fortune cookie being cracked open, and like on it says, Dude, there's another settlement that needs your help. I'm just like, oh, oh my it's gosh. great, it's great. The, 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 one of the best recent ones I've seen is the Kellogg's Cornflakes box, yeah. which is like the hand grabbing the baby now with less Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, like with Fallout, I guess. The only way that it would work, I guess, to an extent, is if you had an area of the Fallout world where you had every faction, where you had the Enclave, where you had the NCR, the Brotherhood, the Minutemen, and like that would be the only way that I think an MMO could really work. Yeah, it wouldn't work in Boston. Like, no, it, it just wouldn't work like that because there are really only three factions, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, some will consider it's just like the Institute and the Brotherhood, but you, because there aren't races with Fallout, if Fallout Online really wanted to prosper, it would really need to just culminate every single faction possible in the Fallout universe and put them on some sort of world and then progress You literally there. have to mimic the same formula as ESO, because ESO, they're like all... each. There's three factions with like three races each, and I think like one of them has the fourth Imperial, which is paywalled, 
and um, they're okay. all fighting for uh, like a crown or something like that to be like the leader of Tamriel or whatever or Cyrodiil. I forgot which one. It's just be the king of the land, basically, is what I'm saying. And um, I feel like for Fallout, that's the only way you could get them all involved is like mm. get these multiple factions, put them at some point in the Fallout timeline, and like have them all somehow just be scattered about and like you know all fighting for that same thing and like yeah i know for eso whoever whatever faction is doing the best in pvp is the one who like holds the crown or whatever it's a kind of cool dynamic thing it sounded good on paper but it, it i don't know if it's worked out necessarily yeah fair enough and your favorite news um but i was scrolling down ign just a few minutes ago I, this one caught my eye Sony wants to trademark the word of the, or the phrase "Let's play." Let's play. I saw that. Yeah, it's not um, as it's shitty not gonna as happen. it sounds. It's either. N- it's not going to happen though. Okay. It's like anyway. So 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 the the reason why it's it's not going to happen, and the court won't allow it if the court is is attuned to this, is because "Let's play" is a is a community term. It's it's effectively you can call it public domain. It's not the correct term, but it's so widely used. That if if Sony wanted to trademark it, think about it. Every time you used "Let's Play" in your in the title of your video or whatever, they could have a claim to it. Yeah, right? it, it, it's it's as crazy as that. Like Sony did not invent the word. They they, I I I, just, I don't know what basis they would have to trademark the term "Let's Play." It's so widely used, not just from community like youtubers and, and gamers or whatever but also from the perspective of other developers and other publishers they like to use the term a lot as well it's like uh, uh, it, it's not gonna happen it's like the candy crush devs when they tried to copy or trademark the, the word candy i think it was yeah it, it's to too generic all, yeah they it's tried to take generic. ownership of a word candy i'm like why like every time i say no. candy i owe you a dollar or something like what <laughs> yeah. uh, but th- this article makes a good point. It says some speculate that the company just wants to use Let's Play as a part of its PS4 streaming service, and the trademark is in a way to prevent other companies from using it, and they probably got no intention of taking it away from players. I doubt they would. That would be literally shooting their their company in the foot. But the, the how many people is... how many people would run to Xbox if Sony was trying to kill YouTube? <laughs> no, <laughs> they're, they're, they're definitely not trying to do that. But the no, problem is. Not is whether in law they had the ability to do so. Because if they did, that prospect is very scary. Mm-hmm. If Sony had the sole power to say, you can use Let's Play, you can't, blah, 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 that's a scary prospect. And I'm not saying they will, and I'm not saying they're going to. They're obviously not. You know, they, they've integrated YouTube and, and Twitch streaming into the PS4 very openly. You know, they, they are very, very, um, I guess, positive and, and, and progressive towards the Let's Play concept and towards the YouTube concept. And both Sony and Xbox have been very, very good with that. So they're definitely not going to do that. And, and I'm not going to try and speculate that they are. But my problem with it is that just just having that ability, regardless of what company it is, even if it was Xbox, even though I have an Xbox, or sorry, Microsoft, if they had the ability to say, you can use the term, you can't use the term, and they, and they had a trademark over it, that's just a very scary, scary thing. Because you don't know what could happen. Management could change in the company and they could say, oh, we've got trademark over this term now. What can we do with it? Yeah. it, it it's just a scary thing and I, and I wouldn't want to see any company be able to trademark that. It's, it's a community term. It's a collective term. No one should be able to do that. I don't see it ever happening personally. Like you said, it's, it, just, it's yeah. too general. You know, it's too general. It's, it's used in common sentences outside of YouTube as well. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it, that, that, that's yeah. the news that really, uh, that's what really caught my eye. 
Yeah, it was, it was an interesting thing. Um, I, I'm hoping that Turtle Biscuit talks about it because he, he had a bit of a twit longer about it. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see where it goes. But I, I think it's going to be stopped pretty quickly by the court. Yeah. So anyways. So now we move on to our fan questions, which we are going to kind of get in a... I don't want to say it's live for us, you and I alone, but... <laughs> I haven't seen anything. I'm loading your Twitter now. Well, uh, no, no, I, I haven't even tweeted anything out. I'm literally just going through the oh, hashtag. What? Yeah, I'm just going through the hashtag right now. I'll go through the hashtag too, bro. Ham radio time. Yeah. So we're, ans- we're answering questions that haven't been answered before, right? Sure. I mean... All right. I'm like, I love when, when we search for ham radio time and all these random things about actual ham radios come up. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I <laughs> uh, love it. Um, I want some fathers of Fallout. So people are excited about Chris Avalone. That is good. Yes. Didn't hear you from you, Brian Fargo, but it's all good. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> We're building our reputation, Maddie. Once we get Chris Avalone, then we can get Brian and then we'll then get we all, Pete Hines. We Oh, Marty, oh, we need to get Pete Hines on the podcast. Oh, here's one about me. My, go to my man Crush Monday's G27 status channel because it's ham radio time. God damn right. <laughs> I've never been a man crush. I don't think there are any, any questions. What games did you purchase on holiday sales? Steam, PSN, or Xbox? I got Wolfenstein New Order and Old Blood for $14 ham radio time. This comes from Lit Blade. I think it's a good question. I... I got Ori and the Blind Forest. I got Undertale. Uh, and I think that's a... Actually, let's, let's go to my purchase history. Uh, account details. View purchase history. I'm yeah. As well. And then, or, or way back, I purchased Assassin's Creed on sale because I really, really want to replay that series. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. But yeah. So, for me, I, I, I did a... Not this. It's going to be a lot of games, but I really didn't do a lot of big spending. But I, I realized I took chances on games that I know I wouldn't have spent my money on afterwards while I wasn't on sale. So, Jedi Knight Jedi Academy, that's a game that I played growing up a lot. It, it's okay now. It's, it didn't age as well. First hmm. Story, that's a game I'm still yet to play. But Apparently, it was, that's it's interesting. That's, won, that it, it won so many awards, I, I had to pick it up. It was like a dollar. Fair uh, enough. Undertale as well. I got that as yeah. well. Yeah, uh, Pillars of Eternity. That's a game I've really wanted to get into. And when it was off for like, I think it's normally selling for fifty or forty, and it was on sale for seventeen. I picked that up. Yeah. Uh, Warhammer End Times Vermintide. I got that, and I gifted Noah a copy as well. Um, this is probably my favorite game of the sale that I've bought so far. Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines. Very Dude. very different game. Have you played it? Yeah, I've played about five hours of it right now. It's an RPG that I'm almost certain Obsidian's going to continue on with because they bought the license to the game, or like the company who owned the license to the game. So they now have ownership of the Vampire series. And it's it's there was actually, I know you don't go on the site that much, but there was an article on it on Sugar Bomb, which seemed to be good timing. But it's Mm. it's very good. Um, it, It. because you, you pick through all these different vampire races and like there's this whole established lore where you're trying to be a vampire and like blend into normal society but also you know try to stay in uh, good terms with both humans and vampires and it, you know there's some interesting choices. The quests are always very interesting. I'm yet to encounter like a, a quest that really isn't interesting. But anyway, yeah, you're gonna like my next purchase, uh, Bioshock Two. 
<laughs> yes, yes. I think I've played Bioshock One and Infinite so much, and like I've played Bioshock Two a couple of times, but I, I it's not that fresh in my memory. So I was like, all right. Well, I'll I, I don't understand why people don't like. Yeah, that I game. don't get it either. It's Bioshock Two is a very good game. I just I don't my my go to Bioshock games when I'm like I want to play Bioshock is One or Infinite, but uh, yeah. Bioshock Two is is very good. Uh, this game is a game that's so underrated. The Mean Greens Plastic Warfare. Yep. That is a game that sounds just like what it is. It is you play as toy soldiers and it's a like a third person shooter. Mm-hmm. It's like do you remember do you remember on the Nintendo sixty four like Sarge's Heroes or whatever it's called? Yeah. Yeah, this is basically like that. Except it's a multiplayer shooter. It's awesome. Right, oh. Purchasing uh, some interesting games, Maddie. Well that's the thing. Steam sales the time to like take some chances on things. Like Vampire was five bucks. Bioshock, this wasn't a chance, but four bucks. I was going to say, take a chance on Bioshock. It's a sure bet, Matty. <laughs> Bio, or, uh, the Mean Greens is nine bucks. You know, the, the most money I spent was on uh, Vermintide. That was 25 mm. uh, Everything else was around the, the, the $10 range, though. Uh, I bought four pieces of DLC. I bought Elder Scrolls Online, but we talked about that already. I got four pieces of DLC, which were a dollar each for Sleeping Dogs, because that's one of like my favorite games ever, man. That game is so good. Uh, yeah. They were all the story-focused ones, like Nightmare on, in North Point. Zodiac Tournament, Wheels of Fury, The Year of the Snake. Uh, mm. So I got those for $5 total, which is a pretty good deal. Really good deal, in fact, because I think that would have cost me like 20 normally. Mm. Uh, and then the last game I bought during the sale, which I'm yet to play as well, is Fable Anniversary. I played Fable 2. I loved it. Fable 3 was eh. You know, I don't think it was as bad as everyone made it out to be. But mm. I've actually never played the original Fable. Wow. It was on sale for $7, so I was like, all right. I'm going to definitely get this then. Is that, a, is that considered to be a good game from what I remember the it Fable is? The Fable series is fantastic in my opinion. Apparently the most recent one though isn't. Uh, Fable Legends is very, very different. It doesn't look that good in my opinion. Uh, Fable 3, it has a lot of load times, like a lot. Like I know some people complain in reviews about load times, but no, this is like an insane amount. You like pressing B, I think it was to open your menu. I think you should watch Angry Joe's view to get an idea of it. But pressing <laughs> B to open your inventory, it's an interactable inventory, so it's cool. But at the mm. time, the tech couldn't handle it, so there was a loading screen for any time you wanted to go in and change your equipment and shit, and like a long one, like a twenty one, like a twenty second one. Wow. Yeah. So it was it was pretty fucking ridiculous. It gives me um flashbacks of New Vegas load times. Oh. They got so bad for me on, yeah. on, on the three sixty. You, you don't even realize now on PC though, because it's so like it, it, you don't even realize. You you hit E, you open a door, it fades the black, fades in. And you're like, all right. But then everyone's yeah. like, load <laughs> we're, times we're good to so go. Bad on Fallout Four, for example. I'm like, what are you talking? All right, PC. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like on Xbox One, like the load times were pretty bad for Fallout Four. And I can kind of understand it because, you know, it's, it's not that great of hardware if, if you really think about it. But it is a bit annoying at times when you're just sitting there and oh, I'm just waiting for this load screen. Especially when, like, you boot up your game and then you have to travel somewhere and then enter another location to, mm-hmm. to do something. Sometimes, like, you've, you've been in the game for five minutes and most of that's been load screens. So it can get annoying. Um, but apparently there is ways to fix it. Like apparently Dishonored or something had really bad load screens and they fixed that. Or it was like Bloodborne or something. I can't remember the name. Bloodborne. Okay. Yep. Bloodborne. Bloodborne, yeah. And they fixed it. So maybe it is something that can be fixed, but I don't think so. See, Bloodborne was a very... Uh, I think they fixed the frame rate and the, the load times to some degree. Because there wasn't many load times in the game, but whenever you like 
went to go back to the uh, bonfire, whatever they called it in Bloodborne. Um, that was a, like a, a long load time. And whenever you went back to Hunter's Dream, that was a long load time as well. But they're like, if you just kept going through the game itself, there wasn't that many load times. Okay, fair enough. Uh, did, you, did you say any more questions? On, oh, on yeah. Hammer? Yeah, I got two right now. Two really uh, good go ones. On. Awesome. Uh, this one comes from God Nikolai. Do you think Bethesda will add content for free later in terms of content they couldn't finish? No, no. I think I think the game, like, as much as much as people like to think that it doesn't have as many side quests, I, I'd like to compare the number of side quests to Fallout Three. It has more side quests than Fallout Three, so I think in that sense, it is it is a it is a finished, complete, packaged product. I don't th- I don't think they're going to be adding free content. I, I don't know. It's hard to say. How about like, we, we talk about what free content could they add? More side quests. Like, exp- expand the base game. Obviously, I don't think Bethesda's going to be willing or able uh, to expand upon the ending or have a different ending or have different choices or whatever. I think that's... Leave that as it is. It's yeah. kind of like a Mass, mass Effect 3 thing, right? They're not going to change the ending. But I think they did do something with that. Um, mass Effect but- 3, yeah, they, they added a brand new ending for the DLC. It still wasn't as good, but yeah, it was, it was pretty... Yeah, it was improved. I don't know. I I don't think a new ending will really address people's concerns with Fallout 4 story. I think people's concerns was that there wasn't enough choice throughout. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't meaningful choice, and and, and then the, the end was just kind of like the cherry on the or the icing on the cake, right? It just it just exemplified the fact that there is really no choice, no matter which faction you supported. It was the same generic cutscene at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of free content, yeah, more side quests. Um, potentially more weapons, more armor, things like that. Not more like DLC is going to be in the realms of you know expanded content, new area, new people, all of that stuff. So that's going to be DLC and paid content. But maybe in terms of free content, we could get some more bolstering of the of the main game. But other, I don't know. I see. I think it would have been awesome if if Bethesda really took a page out of CD Projekt. Red's book, and I don't say this normally, but if they really took one page out of their book, that free DLC for like 16 weeks or whatever, like I wish Bethesda did that. That would have been awesome. Because mm. there's been so much support for Witcher 3 where it's almost impossible to get bored of this game because or, or say that there's nothing to do because each week they were adding a couple of new quests or whatever, uh, you know, new skins and stuff. It wasn't always quests, don't get me wrong, or new areas. Yeah. But yeah. it, it was always something to just keep that interest going. And then a couple months later, here's a big DLC pack. Then they now they show off the new one. I forgot what it's called. Something of wine or whatever it's called. And, yeah. you know, it's just another big DLC. So it's like, I hope that Bethesda, to some degree, takes a page out of their book. Like, when they announce their DLC plans, I think it's going to be more than just like, hey, here's our first DLC. I think they're going to announce their free content plans. I think they're, they've been strategizing for a while now. Hmm. In my opinion, because I don't, I don't believe for a second that when they announce the season pass, we don't know what we're doing with the season pass. Like they have to, as a business, you have to have some idea of what you're doing. Am I? Would you say that's wrong, or am I like overreacting? Like, I don't, I, I don't want to call Bethesda liar or anything. I'm just saying though, from a logical standpoint, if you don't have an idea of what your DLC should be, come, you know, a, a month from the launch of your game or so, I think that they had an idea to the extent of we are going to do four or five 
pieces of DLC, and I think that's about it. I think when when they made that comment that they did, that they really don't have any idea what we're doing, that was more in the realm of what specifically each DLC is going to be about. I think they kind of had a vague idea of how many DLC they're going to have and the um, the rate at which they release them, mm-hmm. um, but not specifically where they're going to be, where they're going to be set, you know, what story they're going to tell. Is it going to expand upon the main story? Is it going to be a different, distinct story? I don't think they had any idea of that, but they vaguely would have known what they're going to be doing. Because, you know, it's just, it was similar to Fallout 3 and, and, and Skyrim, right? So I don't know if they're going to be deviating from their from their history all that much. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, you know, it's their first time ever announcing a season pass and it makes you think how much they plan on releasing because season pass usually calls for a decent amount of content, I'd say. Oh, it does. It, well, if, if you're charging as much for the... Actually, how much is the season pass Only in America? 30 bucks. It's pretty cheap. Okay, okay. So it, if we're going to consider this pragmatically, if the game was 60 bucks and you got around 100 hours, maybe you'd get 50 hours from the DLC. Or, like, combined. I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say. But, again, th- they yeah. wouldn't really have an idea of how long or how much content they're going to be releasing. I think it's going to be determined by market sentiment, you know, how willing are people to purchase the season pass or even their first DLC individually to get a sense of it before they're like, all right, there is enough demand for this. We're going to keep releasing more. Because think about it this way. If they have a, a certain amount of install base for the season pass, and that's not increasing as they release the first couple of DLCs. They have less and less incentive to create more, correct? Yeah, true. I mean, unless each DLC consecutively is you know, improving the numbers for the season pass, they might get to four and say, well, there's no real point for us to be investing more time in this because the, the, the number of season pass and store base is set. It's not improving any more drastically. Let's just leave it at that. But it, it's going to be a play by ear thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, in terms of size, though, I, I mean, you look at Dragonborn, that was a solid 10 to 20 hour piece of DLC, which at the time was quite a bit. You know, you look at Witcher and they add like 30, 40 hours to their game. Yeah. But, um, at the time, Dragonborn was a pretty substantial piece of content because it was like not only just a main quest, but it was like an open area in Morrowind mm. that you could go back and explore. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it, though, just to say the least. I think BGS did DLC better than Oblivion did. And I know that might be a bit of a... Like people might be upset by that. But I, I really, really enjoyed some of the DLC in Fallout 3, and I think Bethesda can pull it off again. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I feel like, if anything... like. Do you think they'll ever do the the infamous prediction of mine that they'll uh, <laughs> hardcore mode for free? No, no, they're not. They're not going to add a hard. I, 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 okay, this is this is what I feel, and I think many people would agree with this. Bethesda has the the thought of well, the modders are going to add a hardcore mode anyways. That doesn't like, give you an excuse to be lazy. It, no. no, it's I, I know that. I know that. All right, <laughs> Go ahead. but. You, you you can't lie that if you were in Bethesda's position, you'd be thinking the exact same thing, especially with them now supporting console modding. I mean, if there was a small little uh, mod that added hardcore mode, then why would Bethesda need to expend the effort to do so? See, I'm thinking to myself with these console mods, they have to be approved by Microsoft as well. It's not just Bethesda. So I'm wondering if they're just going to be kind of released as these official like downloads, you know what I'm saying? Like They, they, they have to 
because like I said, they have to go through a process when they review them to make them available for consoles. So I'm trying to think to myself, like, how frequently these mods will pop up. Mm. It's going to be interesting. Hard to say. It's hard to say, but yeah. Next question comes from Alexander223. And he asks another interesting Fallout-themed question. Would you rather keep the settlement mode or increase the number of quests and map size for Fallout 4? He also mentions depth, but I think Fallout 4 is a relatively deep game in the terms of like customizing mm. your character and stuff. For me personally, I'd go for the second option. I never really got into the settlement mode, not because it's a bad thing, but because I have limited time and I didn't want to just spend time creating a little place for myself. I I I, I would prefer side questing and more storytelling and more narrative over a settlement mode any day of the week. So and and a bigger map as well. More more places to explore is more interesting to me than more like you know a more of an emphasis on things that I can build for myself. So definitely the second one. That's a no brainer. Yeah, I probably have to agree with that. I mean, well, the the thing though that kind of sucks is that um, I enjoyed settlement quite a bit, and I thought that there just wasn't unrealized potential behind the settlement mode where you finally build up the settlement. But what I think they should have done is had unique NPCs set for each settlement. So when you establish that settlement. When these NPCs come in, they give you new side quests that are only unique to those settlements that expand the game further. That's how mm. I imagine settlement being, you know. And okay. they didn't do that. It just brought in people named Settler, and they came in and did shit. <laughs> so it's not like I would cut out the settlement mode, especially because I think it's fun building, and it makes sense. It adds, it makes every item in the game useful. It, it, it makes Fallout 4 a much different Fallout game. Yeah. Uh, but I think that... A lot of people would say, you know, oh, add the quests, add the the map size, because that's what matters in a Bethesda game. And I agree, but I also think that Fallout Four wouldn't have had to sacrifice any of that if they just utilized the settlement mode properly. It, it's hard to say because we don't really know how the development went. Like when some people talk about new content that's added in, their first thought is, oh, they spent time on this, they could have done that or whatever. And I think for Bethesda, that's a bit more pertinent because they only have a team of 100 and it may well well and truly be the fact that the fact that they expended time in doing a settlement mode meant that they didn't spend enough uh, as much time rather as creating side quests and stuff mm-hmm. but if, if if i was to give my honest opinion if the settlement mode went away tomorrow i wouldn't blink i wouldn't lose an inch of sleep i'd i'd prefer to, you know what bethesda is known for aside from a feature that I won't say it's gimmicky, but kind of it is, right? Like, I've seen some of the creations some people have built, and they're phenomenal. They're absolutely crazy. But I guess, for me, that's not that wasn't, wasn't necessarily what I was buying Fallout 4 for. I was buying Fallout 4 for the questing, for the big world, for the exploration. That was a nice little feature, but I didn't use it all that much. And I, it's a personal thing. It just wasn't for me, so I'd prefer something else, but... I don't know. Okay. Um, I'm trying to find another question here. Mm-hmm. They're, all find fallout. It. They're all Fallout. That's the thing. I mean, you guys ask us too many Fallout questions. Is either that have... or something like Grim, like, how do I get over a girl? It's like, well... Oh, I saw that one. <laughs> don't, don't really feel like talking about that kind of shit. Like, you know, let's focus on some happy thoughts, man. Like, 
I'll talk about that for a second, man, because there are times where I sit there and I just get bummed out for nothing, or I let like something tiny, 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 like my friend will say something stupid, and it'll just ruin my day. It'll just throw me off because it'll just freak me out or whatever. And like I like just yesterday, as we record this, I was just like, why do I let this happen? You know, like one of those like, what am I doing in my life moments where you just sit there and you open your eyes and you like when you say you're gonna make the change, you actually believe it. You're like, I'm going to fucking change for good. Like I'm done being afraid or getting anxious over stupid shit like i just want to focus on the good things so here's my advice to you on getting over that guy or girl move on because chances are it's not worth it it's not worth sitting there getting hung up on especially when you look back in retrospect i don't want to look back when i'm like 30 or 40 and think to myself damn i spent so much time in my bedroom with my fucking head hanging down because i couldn't get over some bitch or because i was letting something my friend said really get to me that would probably never happen in a million years about real world problems and all that shit you know that's the type of stuff that gets to me and so for me to just look back and say well i spent most of my day being a fucking pussy and sitting in my room like no like (laughs) go out live your fucking life just trust me trust me if you feel so much better when you sit there and you look in the mirror and just say to yourself like i'm done i'm done i'm moving on i'm living my life you you, trust me you'll feel a million times better and then stick to it don't just say it in the next day like commit to your friends tell your friends the change you're gonna make you know vocalize it I told my followers, I told my best friends, I messaged like 10 people last night and was like, I love each one of you. You guys are the best. And, you know, I, I just wanted to let them know. Lone, I never did that to you. Lone, I got to say, man, you're one of my best friends. I know that I've only seen your face once, bro, but you're one of my fucking best friends and I love you to death. I'm happy that you walked into my life. Dude, that was that was really sweet, Matty. You, <laughs> you make, you're making me tear up, right? <laughs> See what I'm saying? No. I I told everyone, like, go tell your family, go tell your friends that you fucking love them. Because once you start doing that positive change, you're like, hey, you know, this is like, it feels good. It feels, you don't know it feels good to do good until you actually try it. It feels good to donate to people. And I've always kind of tried to do that stuff. But it's different when you go to the people closest to you and just say, just give them a reminder that you're appreciated. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you mean. And I I agree with you 100% in that sense. I I, I found, and I won't say it's a trend, but... Just recently, uh, on the internet especially, there's like there's a lot of negativity and there's a lot of people being down and there's a lot of people getting angry about certain things. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, can, can we just be happy about something for once? You know, yeah. let, let, can we just all look at the good things and, you know, realize that if, if you're on the internet, like if you have a good family and if you're in a good country, you have a, you have a happy home or whatever, you're doing a lot better than other people in, in the world that are suffering real mm-hmm. hardship and real problems. I, I I count my blessings every day that I live the life that I do and that I have the life that I do thanks to my parents and my family for putting me in the position that I am now. So recently, I'm I'm just trying to be grateful for the things that I have. And there are a lot of things that I I get angry about or get upset about and then I realize, oh, fuck, that's a first world problem, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then I move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess my tip or you know suggestion to all of you is just to, Try and be happy and, and find the good things in life and, and don't, be, don't be so negative and angry about certain things which, you know, when you look back on a week later, you think, oh, I really shouldn't have been angry about that. Exactly. That's just my thing. Right, like, you know, I, I, hate to do, I hate to quote this TV show because it's going to sound ridiculous in such a serious talk, but I was watching Legend of Korra. It's, a, it's okay. like the sequel to Avatar. It's really good. Um, yeah. And this, although season two is not that good, but I'm watching season two and I won't say who says this because it would be a spoiler, but... He says a line, I don't remember it word for word, but like it, it actually genuinely kind of changed the way I think, which I think was really impactful, especially for a Nickelodeon TV show, even though it's for a, it's for both kids and a mature audience. He, yeah. he said something that was really like, wow, you know, that's so true. I think he said like, 
if you're always looking for darkness, then that's all you're going to find. As in, mm-hmm. if you're always thinking negative yeah. thoughts and being snarky and, and always thinking, well, this is the the worst will happen, then that's all you're going to find. If you're like, it's just simply, if you see feel that like negative thought coming in, just like cut it off and say something positive to yourself. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's just a matter of breaking that habit, which I think we all have. It's never going to, and you got to remember, it's not going to permanently go away. There are going to be days where you're going to be a little bummed out and stuff, but it's to lessen that trend, you know. Yeah, I agree. And just bump it down so that you can live a normal, happy life. Yeah, and and, and again, just just realize that I don't know. I I I see a lot of people tweeting out and and people getting upset about minor things. And like, even I'm definitely guilty of that. I remember when I got really really upset for no reason about the Fallout Four leagues happening. Like mm-hmm. in the grand scheme was, of things, that was no reason. But yeah, I, I know. Yeah, what you mean. like. You know what I mean? Like in the grand scheme of things, that was a I was a silly thing to get as worked up about it as I did, and I and as soon as I did that, I was like, "Fuck!" You know, I I shouldn't have done that, right? Um, so yeah, that my advice is just don't get worked up about certain things. Just live life, do what Maddie says. You know, tell your your family you love them and and, and all of that. So yeah, we got, we got a bit deep and emotional there, Maddie. Good <laughs> <laughs> on that. I was feeling it, man. I was just like, you know, I, I was about to like hold off on it and just keep to myself, and I, I had this explosion of passion. I'm like, no, they, you know, to anyone who sat this long, you need to know this because you're the most loyal, and that means you're the most kick ass, and so you should get hit with the real facts. Yeah, people that listen to the podcast for this long, uh, they typically like we, we know the ones that listen to this long because first of all, when you have a podcast, not many, like not as many people watch the podcasts, mm-hmm. but then those that actually stay right to the end. Because we see the retention rates, you know, they always there's always a natural drop off. So yeah. you guys, you guys are the real MVP. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you guys tweeted us like little lines from like the end of certain podcasts and stuff. Like, oh, I loved when this happened. Like for example, when when uh, Courtney Ford came on and like she said, "Well, oh, gosh, I don't know what to say, Blue." And like people kept like quoting that to us, and it was like, "All right, they listened to the full thing. That's awesome." And you think yeah. that we wouldn't remember? But we do. You know, we, we we know the most common ones because we see uh, always in our mentions and stuff about each. Ham radio time. I think the best is when we delay it and people are like, where is it? Constantly. They're like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's like, oh my God, they miss us. <laughs> like, where? I, I saw some comments or tweets to you like, Maddie, where's the fucking podcast? Like, we're waiting for loan one day. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like... He's, he's going to miss like his fourth week or whatever if we don't get him on. <laughs> so I'm not going to have that happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. But this is a good podcast, man. How long yeah. will we be going? Yeah, I don't even know what we're going to title this because, like, what? We'll think of something. We'll think of something. something. 2015 (laughs) games and hardcore life advice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But anyways, I think that's a good time to end it. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this long, like, for this long, rather. It's been been a blast. Thank you, Noah, for joining us for 14 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> hopefully hopefully next next week is actually going to be a lot of fun i'm really looking forward to that yeah. it, that's going to be fallout feel actually no you know what i don't want to have a really fallout dense podcast i know we have you know uh, a father of fallout mm-hmm. but i i, I really want to because i sent him the questions in advance i tailored them so and this is for our listeners as well uh yeah they are like the first couple are fallout but then they kind of get into star wars then his future himself and i i warned him too i said just so you know, we're probably not going to answer all these because we ramble a lot. You're you're probably only going to get to like question four. <laughs> Obviously, we'll finish them we all because we we always end up finishing it. But it'll probably cost him like two or three hours of his time. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, you should you should warn him that it might cost him like two or three hours. <laughs> 
Oh man! But anyway, so cool though, dude. Not not to go off topic and hold this yeah. on any longer. He literally like I, I tweeted out and like in five minutes, Chris goes into my DMs. He's like, he's like, I haven't played much Fallout Four, but dude, I am more than down. I'm like, oh yes, you are. Let's go. You know, I was <laughs> I was so excited. I was so excited because I didn't think I thought he'd just kind of look at because he favored it at, or liked it at first. I'm like, okay, he saw it, and then he yeah. responded to someone else about it, and he responded to I think Meg, who's one of my friends in the UK. And then yeah. he messaged me. I'm like, I was so nervous because he's like responding. He sees it. I'm like, is he going to take me up on this offer, man? Here we go. And he, he finally did. And my stomach dropped. I'm like, Chris Avalon, let's go. <laughs> We're uh, starting to get some really, really good guests on this podcast. It's yeah. Great. For those of you who want to know our, our future in, in 2016, we're trying to spread our wings a little bit. Always stay with us to focus. We know what made us. But we want to bring on bigger guests this year. We, we had, I've said this multiple times, we've always had the Bethesda themed guests. Can I tell you who I want? I, th- these are the people that I really want, and it's this is shooting for the skies. But Go this for is it. this is. Oh, I want Boogie on our podcast. Okay. He would be a fucking awesome guest. I want Total Biscuit. He would just be. He would awesome. He would destroy talk. me. I, he would. He would destroy he us would in dis- gaming no, knowledge. No, he would destroy me because I think I, I get a little too upbeat about things. He would kill me. I think. <laughs> I'd be. I'd be genuine intimidating. I'd be, guys, I'm sick this week. <laughs> But he would be, like he'd be great. I, I yeah, reckon I just to absorb the knowledge that he has would be mm-hmm. awesome. Um, Guns for Hire. I don't know if you know him, Maddie, but I do not. Like, he got me into YouTube. Like with his, okay. he, he was with Next Gen Tactics back in the day. Oh with college. my god, that's a name I am not. Oh my god, you remember that? You remember that? Next Gen Tactics. That's a. Th- oh my god. Hold on. You used to watch it. You used to watch him. All the time. That's how <laughs> yeah. I fucking learned how to be good at Call of Duty next time. That's gen. guns for hire, man. Like guns and spider. Oh, oh, oh man. Oh, my God. Just, yes. just, just, yeah. You good remember that? Good for him. How is Next Gen Tactics going at the moment? The Zombies channel is really good. Like doing phenomenally well. Um, so, yeah, them. Wow. Um, Adam Sessler. I would love yeah. to have a podcast with Adam Sessler. He, he he would just be an incredible guest to I talk agree. to because of his experiences and what he's done in the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, fuck, what's his name again? Host of the Video Game Awards. Ah, Jeff Keighley. Jeff Keighley, really? Jeff yeah, Keighley. I think that'd be cool. I like Jeff. A lot of people yeah. have beef with him, but I, I think he's a really good guy. You know what? Like, I, Especially I people... after this year. I, I don't think he, any problem someone has with him is justifiable after what he did this past Game Awards where he called out Konami. And he he threw a damn good show together, you know. I think I've all, I've always liked Jeff Kelly. He's been really good. I and and going back to Adam Sessler, I really liked Adam Sessler with like Rev Three Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I used to, I used to watch him religiously, and I, then he yeah. stopped. Sessler, what was it? Uh, Sessler something. Sessler something. Oh, oh yes. Gosh. If he went back to that, I, I would love. Like, do you remember when Sessler was uh, at the E Three thing for Bethesda, right? Yeah, when he came I on, so I was like. They got got the G4 team together, I think. And I love how... That's why I love Bethesda, though, because they threw that together on Twitter. Setzer was like, I'd love to do that. And then they tied in... uh, I think her name's like Morgan Webb or something like that. The the girl who co-hosted with Adam, like, all those years on G4. And, like, she's like... I'll join in, and he's like, "All right, you guys are on." I'm like, "Dude, I wish, <laughs> I wish getting a job was that easy." <laughs> but you know, if Adam Sessler is anywhere doing a podcast or an interview, or whatever, he just attracts people, mm-hmm. yeah, because he's so well known in the inter- industry. He's very, he's intelligent. Yeah, he knows. He has a unique perspective he's on things. Such an intelligent person in terms of gaming, like. Mm-hmm. like 
and and just hearing him talk about games, which is why I loved you know Tesla something and and his thoughts about games when he did reviews. Oh man, I'd, I'd love to do it. Broke my brain. Oh, it's like he has a thesaurus in his fucking brain, right? And, <laughs> right. and he's just he's just pulling out terms. You're like, Tesla, slow down, man. What was the first thing that you said? <laughs> oh man. For me, um, guess guess I want. I definitely go with Greg Miller. He's he's like when I when we came together to make this podcast, he was definitely one of like the people yeah. I went to and like kind of looked at his podcast. What kept that interesting? Because that was one I listened to a lot. I always listened to to the kind of funny games cast. I don't listen to the original kind of funny, uh, Greg or game over Greggy show is what it is, but I love the, the games cast. It's, it's just always entertainment entertaining. And I, I, I tried to model or help model our podcast after that. So, and I've always loved Greg Miller. So yeah. probably him. Um, yeah. trying to think here. I know that we tried to avoid Bethesda, but I want Pete Hines on man. I just want to see what a conversation yeah. between me and him would go like. I want Pete Hines. I want Todd Howard. I, I, yeah, we, I, mean, I guess those are the obvious ones. We've been through those. Um, I have a list on my phone of like guests we wanted. I, I mean, obviously, Eric Todd Delms is on that list. I would love Phil Spencer. I'd love to be able to talk Phil to Phil Spencer. Phil Spencer, yes. Yeah, Shida Um, What was his name? Um, Hideo Kojima. Like oh. it'll be it'll be difficult because you know the language barrier, but I'd love to be able to talk to him. Fuck, just who who do I, who am I following on Twitter? I just, I just love to talk to people that I follow on Twitter. I, I'd love to speak with Damon Hatfield at IGN. I think he's a cool guy. I like him. Yeah. Uh, um. Oh, Danny O'Dwyer from Gamespot. I've won Danny him. O'Dwyer. I've yeah, won yeah, him. yeah. He's fucking um, awesome. I I I gotta say it because I think he's someone that would challenge us. And Maddie, I think I think you know who I'm talking about. Challenge <laughs> us! Challenge us! Who would challenge us? <laughs> I, I'm not saying that in a cocky standpoint. Who would challenge us? I'll I'll say one thing: Kotaku. <gasps> no! Oh God! Yeah. He 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 shoot me. But he would he would be interesting to talk to, wouldn't he? No, he would. I, I don't deny that he's an intelligent guy, but I know that him and I don't get along well. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, fine, fine. I'm not saying, no, I'm not saying, no, I'm not saying, I'm not, I don't run the podcast like this. I get on whoever, <laughs> whoever we want on, you know, we'll, we'll try to, we'll get yeah. Jason Schreier. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, it'd be great. Um, but who else, man? There, there are so many like, iconic people in the gaming industry that I'd love to be able to talk to. Um, I'm just, I'm just looking through the people that I follow. I, mean, I get on. at least a bunch of YouTubers. Yeah, like Matt Pat of of Game Theory. I'd love to talk to him. Mm-hmm. The Black Hokage. Uh, I love him. I've like, yeah. become a fanboy of his channel. Shit's so fucking good. It's mm-hmm. so funny. Mm-hmm. Ken Levine! Ken Levine! Oh, yeah, get well, Ken Levine! Dude, I said that in our group chat. Yeah, me and Lone were talking. I'm like, let's shoot for the stars with guests this year. Lone, if, if Ken Levine announces his game <laughs> this year, we're going to make a fucking We're getting push. him. Right. You have no idea how hard I'm going to cover Bioshock. But, oh, yeah, Ken Levine is... Obviously not doing Bioshock, but whatever he's doing as well, mm-hmm. as you said, Maddie, we're do- we're going to cover that definitely. Yeah. We're going to get Ken Levine on without a doubt. Oh man, that would be great. That's kind of the good thing about Fallout Four coming out, though. You know, when you think about it, I didn't realize how much I'd want to cover other games after Fallout Four came out. But like now, I'm like, I don't care about views or numbers or anything. I haven't checked my numbers in fucking like a week and a half. Like I don't care. I just yeah. make the video I want, I upload it, and I, I just go do my thing. You know. I, yeah, and like that's why I'm so excited for 2016 because I feel like there's just so many 
you know, vast games that everyone's interested in. I feel like now that Fallout 4 is out of the way, people are now interested in this broad spectrum of games. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I'm like, just, I'm just... for me, last year, like, I didn't really have a chance because there was so much Fallout hype where it, no game mattered. I uh, Yeah, yeah. At least on my channel, where now other games matter. Well, that's that's why I'm changing the direction of my channel. <laughs> you want to talk about it a little bit for the for the long the long yeah right. I'll, I'll talk about it so recently um and, and this is me being a numbers guy because i have a finance background but i've noticed that the views on my videos have dipped and dipped to the stage where i initially i was getting like 20 20 plus percent of my subscriber base was watching my videos and then they've dipped to about 10 to 20 and now it's hovering at around 10 maybe like eight or nine on some videos okay. so yeah percentage of my subs watching my videos and I'm thinking, all right, look, the Fallout 4 hype train is well and truly gone. It's subsided. Yeah. You can't just upload a Fallout 4 video and instantly expect it to, do, to be successful automatically. Mm-hmm. You, ha- you have to be inventive with your concept, whether it's like um, the Nth Apple with its videos or oh, yeah. f- fudge, fudge Muppet with their build yeah. um, videos. You need to be unique and, and you know, inventive if you want a 4i4 video to be successful, like with other games that aren't necessarily, you know, they don't necessarily have a hype train. So, and, and I've, to be honest, gotten a bit burnt out with, not with Fallout, but with making videos about Fallout. I agree. Because eventually yeah. you get to the stage where you're like, look, I've covered this game enough. I, I, I did the, like, I've done Easter eggs about it because I like Easter eggs. I covered some weapons and, and did some discussions and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think... For me personally, may, may not be for other YouTubers, but for me, I've done what I've what I've what I've could. When DLC comes out, I'm sure I'm going to cover that in some sort of yeah, fashion. That's that's not to cut you off, but for me, yeah. you know that that's kind of what it is for me now. Now I'm just waiting for DLC, and I also noticed when I'm sitting in like Sony Vegas, and I'm editing a Fallout video compared yeah. to when I'm editing a Star Wars video. The 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 attention span and the interest yeah. when I'm making that Star Wars video, like I don't care that I think. When I looked, I think my Star Wars disgusting speculation video was like one of my lowest viewed videos of this month. But I did not care one bit because I had fun, interest, and, and genuine interest researching that and, yeah. and, and putting together this video. Regardless of for whoever sat down and watched it, they got a good video, and that's all that mattered to me. But mm. the point being is that I had so much more fun making that video compared to the discussion I rendered before that, where sat down, flipped on the mic, got my gameplay, talked, and that was it. You know, it- and, and even for me, for example, like when I, when I do full i four videos, I think people are noticing my at least a decrease in um, enthusiasm and passion when I talk about Fallout Four, right? And again, it's because not because I don't like Fallout, but it's because I made so many videos on it. For a while, I was making a video a day when I was working full time, and it it just burnt me out. And as soon as you remember the the Bioshock Easter egg that I did for Fallout Four, yeah. I was so excited to do that. And I don't think it's any coincidence that that video has thirty thousand views, right? Mm-hmm. Like because I was passionate about it, and people saw it, and people like you know no one saw it before. I think I was one of the first to cover like the Bioshock Easter egg. So people were really excited about it. And I, and I think that's why that video did well. But more importantly, I was excited, genuinely excited and enthusiastic to make that video. Because I, ha- I don't make many Bioshock videos. I like to talk about it on the podcast a lot. But if you actually look at my channel, it's predominantly Fallout 4. Yeah. So I want to, I want to start experimenting. Uh, and I, I talked about this on Twitter. One thing that I'm doing personally is doing a series where I'm just playing different games it's called the bucket list and essentially it's going to be a list of games that i've always wanted to play 
and I want to slowly progress through them and make content on them, but also games that I have played that I would like to be on other people's bucket lists so it can be as community-inclusive as possible, so Bioshock or Brothers or, or whatever it is. Um, and then also as well, I'm potentially going to just cover gaming news in general because I like talking about the gaming industry. You know, I'm really passionate about it, which is why I really like the our gaming news bits in, in the podcast. I, li- I like talking yeah. about just general things. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not losing ties with Fallout because that's where I've grown. But if, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, the channels that are successful and that prosper aren't the ones that do one game unless you're Minecraft. It's usually at least like three games, I'd say, that you got to yeah. cover. Like, all right, let, let's, let's take an example. Um, open World Games is YouTube. They, they cover yeah. Fallout, but they cover other shit. Um, even Fudge Muppet, they cover Skyrim as well. So they, they have things that they can alternate with. But when you're just covering one game, and this is why I don't... I guess with Minecraft, it's, it'll be a little bit different because there is you know, mods and extended things you can do with that. But with me and just Fallout, 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 I've been doing it for years now. I'm like, you know what? I think it's enough. I think I need to take a bit of a break from it and, and regain my passion for, for making videos, not for the game. The, the, my love and passion for the game will always be there. It's always been there. But it's in terms of making videos. It's a different thing altogether. I agree. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just time to play other games. You know, Fallout came out it, on this day. We're recording it two months ago. Yep. <laughs> So, it's been out for a while. It's, yeah, it's, and the fact that we're still talking about it and playing it is is definitely means that it's a very uh, highly appreciated game to some degree, I'd say. Yeah. But, but, you know, there comes a time where, as a YouTuber, you don't care yeah. about your paycheck or how many views you get. You just want to enjoy what you do. Yeah, you, you want to, like, for me, it's a side hobby. So I want to sit down when I do YouTube and really enjoy what I'm doing. Otherwise, why would it be a side hobby for me? Yeah. And the reason why I'm playing different games is because one thing that I've always really despised myself for is that I don't play enough different games, Mm -hmm. right? I I tend to stick with what I know, and whether it's, I don't know, playing Pokemon Crystal again or replaying Bioshock, which is what I'm doing. I don't experiment enough. I don't play enough of different games. And the reason why I'm doing a different series like this is so I have the chance to. And because I don't have much time on my plate being able to combine my general leisurely you know, gaming time with YouTube and playing different games, I think that's a great mix for me. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Oh, that's a fantastic idea too. I, I think yeah. it's a good choice. Thank you, Matty. I appreciate that, man. For me, because <laughs> I, it doesn't take me too long to make the videos for my channel because I'm kind of like a discussion slash opinion channel and then like when games come out, I'll do guides. Uh, yeah. if, if there's an interest for those games. But for me, it's more like the talking. So it doesn't take long for me to make the videos on my main channel, I guess you could call it. But for me, I'm, I'm considering heavily making a second channel and doing a similar thing, not copying your series, but like when I gen- generally play games, just flipping on the mic, not even doing like a face cam, just turning on the mic and like recording as we play. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I thought, like when you mentioned the zombies thing, I thought like that'd be a cool mini series for the other channel. You know, stuff it would like be that. An awesome series. Like, and, and this is the thing: the reason why people, like well, YouTubers like myself and Maddie, don't want to just chuck let's plays. And, and this is a thing that I guess many people might not understand. We've built up an audience which have a certain attention span. It's mm-hmm. it's a crude way to build it, put it, but that's what it is. It's entirely we, true. We tend to make videos which are less than ten minutes long. So when you build up an audience, they constantly click on your videos because they're the kind of discussion-based videos that aren't too long. They 
like that kind of content. So you can't just switch gears and start doing Let's Plays because that's not the audience that's suited towards it. So you'll find if you just start doing Let's Plays, not many of your traditional original audience are going to start clicking on your videos. So you'll get really, really low views. And you essentially, you have to build your subscriber base again to, to a stage where, you, for example, if it was me, I'd have to get another 30,000 uh, subscribers that like Let's Play content to be able to get the same amount of views that I'm getting now with discussion videos. Yeah. That's the thing. And you'll find that when people that are subscribed to you, that when they start not clicking on your videos, eventually YouTube will phase your videos out of their sub, sub box. Yeah, so, so you, don't, you don't want to play yeah. with the main channel too much. Yeah, it's also exactly. not just an attention span, but it's also like an audience thing, like you kind of said. Yeah. Uh, in a simplified, simplified, bleh, simplified form, though, is that, like, for example, I said my channel, people like discussions, guides, reviews. I'd say that's how you simplify my channel. They don't yeah. come to me for 30-minute Let's Plays. So no. you make a separate channel for that Let's Play audience or that audience that just says, I want to watch more of Matt's yeah. videos. And then they and then go you're, there. And, and that you're not builds risking up a, your main channel. Yeah, exactly. And now I can make my simple discussion videos and and focus like the, the production quality on the main channel. But while I'm casually playing a game, if I flip on the mic and just talk over it while I'm playing it, that's not, yeah. that's not too hard. That's but, no. but that's why I'm heavily considering it because I want to kind of render some videos out, like put them up on the channel as I go along without telling anyone and, and seeing how I like it, where do I feel too swamped, especially with school starting soon. That's yeah. how I'm going to weigh it out. Cause I, it's, it's not like a lot of YouTubers. I see so many fucking dead second channels. And for me, it's not a decision I'm going to make lightly where if I make this channel, it's going to get that same love and care that my, my first one gets where I will make yeah. sure that there's content there. And like, if I have to, like, yeah, I'll miss a day on my second channel or whatever. Not a big deal, you know, but yeah. Yeah. I think the best example of a second channel done right is Boogie. Boogie yeah. made has made an awesome second channel, which which I just love, and I actually prefer it over his main channel because um, you know the content is just different. But uh, the one thing that, given on this topic, that I want to mention is if if you know uh, Matt Pat from Game Theory, he actually made a video about how he thinks, anyways, YouTube works, and he's a cons- consultant with that. And he talked about because his main series, the Game Theory um, series or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's a game? Yeah, it's game theory. Yeah. So what he does, he, he he's very intentional with how frequent and how spaced out he does videos on that channel. So he doesn't release um, too much of other content because he knows that his main audience is with the game theory videos, right? So if he releases too much other content in between the game theory videos and some people start to not click on those videos, there's the risk that people might not then see those game theory videos because they're a burnt subscriber or they're a burnt out subscriber. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of reality that we're working with. We need to make sure that we still create those videos that people click on to be able to keep our audiences active and keep them engaged. Because if we release too much of one thing that people don't like, then they won't see what they actually wanted to, you know, see when they subscribe to your channel. So that's what it is. Yeah, it's also just it's organized. Yeah, it's organized. If I'm trying to post discussion videos on my channel, mm. uh, it, it's going to get filtered out by Let's Plays. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Exactly. So I, I'm I'm still you know tossing up whether I'm doing straight Let's Plays or whether I'm doing more compilation videos like you typical Funhouse because mm-hmm. Funhouse have said time and time and again or like you know they're originally inside gaming that they have an older audience and the reason why they have an older audience because they have shorter videos you find that channels that have longer let's play styled videos 
have typically anyways have a younger audience. Um, whether, yeah, because they have more time to watch those videos. So that's what they like to, to click on. It's just the way YouTube works. It's the, the way the algorithms are set, you know. Um, and then, you know, people that typically, for like Maddie and I, that have shorter length videos, we typically have an older audience. Not, it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's just the general trend because older people have less time, so they want to watch shorter videos. It's just reality. Yeah, and since Fallout fans are usually, except for recently, since the hype, there was... Now, they like I predicted, they filtered out, but like originally, it was more so like you're 16 to 24. That's kind yeah. of where Fallout fans sat around. Because uh, mm. they were they were more our age because a lot of people kind of grew up with us and, and played Fallout around the same time and fell in love with it at the same time. And that's why Fallout was so special, I think, because yeah. it was like everyone was experiencing Fallout 4 for the first time at launch, like with a Fallout game ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I got New Vegas on launch, but I, I just remember hating that game when I first played it. It wasn't until like <laughs> two years ago that I actually enjoyed Fallout New Vegas. Fair enough. I had the same thing with Fallout 3. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like Fallout 3 first either. That, that's the only thing that's interesting about Fallout 4 is I still love it. You know, even even when I first played it, I still loved it. True. That, that is a good point. I, I think it's because your love of Fallout has built up. Yeah. You know, it's it's there. I know with why me. I love the series. Yeah, exactly. Like with Fallout 3, it wasn't there for me. That was my first dip into the Fallout, Fallout pool yeah. in general. So, yeah. yeah. Anyways. Anyway. That was a good talk. Yeah. <laughs> You want to you want to end the podcast, Maddie? Uh sure. I don't. When was the last time I actually wrapped one of these up? We usually just you let never do it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't do it anymore. I, I usually just let you handle it or whatever. But uh, yeah, this has been week. I hope I got the week right in the beginning. Forty three of the Ham Radio podcast, where we just talked about basically random stuff this whole way. This has been a good one, and yep. I hope for those of you guys who stayed this long have enjoyed it. And we will catch you guys on Friday. Well, where would it be uploaded? It'll be uploaded on a normal day, Sunday. But we're going to be recording on Friday. But we'll catch you guys. In our next podcast, where we're going to be interviewing Chris Avalone yes. about Fallout, about the future of his career, yep. about KOTOR. So it's all the good stuff. It's all <laughs> stuff that we talk about here that you know we love. So like, if you're into any of that stuff, you're definitely going to want to tune in next week. All right. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Later.